Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, October 13th, 2023. We have a whole lot of great stuff to talk about today. Some strong matchups in the NFL, the insanity of October baseball, and of course, got to check in on the Premier League with this international break going on. Got Luke with me. Luke, how are we doing? So, all right, I already brought it up pre-recording. I got a story time. All right, let's hear and it. I feel like the last like five episodes, I've been going in like with the flu or like a cold or with that yellow jacket sting on UGA's campus. Like, what are, what's the coincidence there? It, it's um, it, it's been a crazy. I, I've been playing questionable, basically, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I've been going in with that cue every single podcast, and I'm going in with a cue on this one. Um, so. You know, as colleges do, they have like their student organizations. Dude, there was one that I had to stop by. And I, I they were like, they were measuring, um, they were comparing how fast women can throw a baseball compared to like males. Interesting. And so obviously I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to see how hard I can throw. So, you know, me being like, I don't know, kind of like a Randy Johnson, Garrett Cole hybrid, you know, I, I'm unhittable basically. So, you know, I'm like, oh, should I do like pitchers wind up or should I just try to like, you know, just throw the baseball? Yeah. I went with a pitcher. Wind up, okay. And uh, oh, my God, dude. <laughs> so I topped out at a flaming 59 miles an hour. Oh, I, I, I mean, like batters don't see that. That's that's really what I'm getting at. Like if okay. you're a batter, like I'm, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to put you out of the season if I hit you. Um, Obviously jokes. But anyway. Dude, I, I may need some Tommy John doctors. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, so I was at the gym later that day, and I, I'm doing bicep curls, right? And I'm having to pivot on the elbow. Yeah. And I, I looked over at my roommate who I was working out with, and I just shook my head, and I was like, dude, my, my season's over. I, I can't ever throw baseball. <laughs> it literally, like, my elbow still hurts, and it, like, it'll run through my yep. arm. And shit, and I'm just I'm hoping that nothing's wrong. But um, hey, I'm <laughs> despite the cue going into this podcast, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to put it on for yeah. a second and short. So to get into this, man. Yeah, I have this fun thing that happens with my elbow, especially when I try to do bicep curls. Um, where as soon as I pull up, the like tendon or whatever just locks, and it won't <laughs> release. Yeah, and my hand stays like clenched on the weight. And I just oh have God. to let it like do its course. <laughs> so it'll like cramp up basically. Essentially. Yeah. Damn. Brutal. Yeah. It's bad. It, it just, it gives you that appreciation. Like these kids have been doing it for their whole lives. Yeah, man. I, I just don't understand. Like I, I would really like to know more about how like some of the best pitchers and some of the more harder throwing pitchers really like keep their elbow in check for entire careers. Cause I mean, pitchers can pitch into like their early forties sometimes. Yeah. And that just baffles me how they keep their arm good that entire time. And then like, what happens when they're 60? Do they like, like, what does that feel like? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. That's a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. I was telling you before the recording, um, like how humbling of an experience it is nowadays to like pick up a football and just like try and throw a football dude. Like yeah. the way my shoulder feels after like two throws is yeah. unlike anything I've ever felt. Like I've broken <laughs> bones. 
Like I've I've yeah. twisted my ankle very bad. Nothing hurts more than throwing a football at 20 years old. <laughs> Keep that in mind. I'm not like yeah. I'm not 45. I'm 20 years old and I'm complaining complaining about my shoulder pain from just throwing a football. Yeah. It's bad. Ridiculous. But <laughs> Back to the <laughs> back to the actual things we're going to be talking about. Yeah. I guess it does have to, you know, do with throwing a football, throwing a baseball. That's you know half the show here. But yeah, let's go ahead and talk about NFL Week Six. This is going to be a fantastic week. I just have this feeling because we've got a lot of great games and a lot of interesting scenarios. So we've got a lot of teams this week that are favored on the road and that scares me for a lot of these teams that are going into it so we'll yeah. start out with one of those matchups vikings two and a half point favorite in chicago versus the bears over under 44 and a half this one's interesting wow. I, I it's weird because justin jefferson's out and i feel like that does give chicago a shot honestly yeah, i mean especially without justin fields has been yeah. playing and even with Justin Jefferson, the Bears probably still have a shot in this game. Because, yeah, like you said, Fields is I, playing great football right now. The issue is going to be, yeah. for both teams, the defense. The Vikings defense seems to play pretty well, but they just cannot hold off teams enough when that offense isn't putting up any points. Yeah, which was kind of, I mean... Only 20 points against the Chiefs, you would kind of hope more, even with Justin yeah. Jefferson going down. But, you know, I, I want to commend uh, Jordan Addison, though. I mean, six receptions, 64 yards, and a touchdown. He, I mean, it's impossible to pick up Justin Jefferson's entire load. Because, I mean, his load is like, what, I, 11 receptions for like 110 average, maybe? Yeah. Even that might be kind of lowballing it. But, I mean... Hey, the rookie's doing awesome. I, I am I am very happy with Jordan Addison's rookie season so far. He he's done just enough for this team. Yeah, I I think that with Jefferson out, it definitely offers a new dynamic for the Vikings offense because you can spread it around a bit more. Like it's not that like they're just they take the depth chart. Justin Jefferson goes out, and then Jordan Addison just takes his spot. I think it's more like there is no wide receiver one this week. No, and no, there's I, not. I think that works in Kirk's favor because he's pretty predictable. You're going to throw to Justin Jefferson probably a third, maybe half of your targets, like half of your passes probably go his way. But I think yep. it, it's, it's in his favor to spread the ball around a little bit. Throw to Osborne, throw to Addison, throw to Hawkinson. Like you have a lot of options. And I'm not saying that when Justin Jefferson's in, he can't do that. But when you have a wide receiver like Justin Jefferson, you want to throw it to him a lot. Yeah, exactly. And and another thing, and th this is something that I wanted to get your opinion on as well, is they, they traded for Cam Akers, but he's still like running back two on this team. Yeah. Uh, against the Chiefs, you didn't have a running back that rushed for more than eight carries. Al Alexander Madison had eight carries for 26 yards. Cam Akers had five for 15. And it's just kind of like... You know, maybe with Justin Jefferson being out, try to give those guys more more of an opportunity. Maybe, I don't know. Personally, I feel like Cam Akers deserves to be running back number one on this team. Maybe. Um, 
I, I feel like he's a better running back than Alexander Madison, but that kind of seems like, you know, they want to go more towards Madison's way than anybody else's. But they just, um, they, they need to get this running game going, especially with Justin Jefferson being out. Yeah, I, I think so. But honestly, I just don't think that's part of their plan. I don't think running the ball is in their book at all. Yeah. They just, they just yeah. simply don't want to. I, I think, well, first of all, they're super predictable because this season when they have run the ball, so, like I think it's around 70% of the time they run it to the left. It's, yeah. weird, like, it, it's super predictable, and if I know it, everybody knows it. So it, that's, <laughs> that's how I'm looking at stats now is like yeah. if I have the access to it, I know for sure the other team knows. And <laughs> so like I think that, you know, that stat is kind of mind blowing to me. Like it, with as little as they do run the ball, they don't balance it at all. They're almost no. always going to go to the left. And what might help them though is that the Bears' defense is just simply put, they're bad. They are. They're giving yeah. up thirty one point four points per game. <laughs> that is brutal. It doesn't help a uh, a well a majority of the time poor Justin Fields either. But yeah. I mean. Just to go to the Bears, like Justin Fields' last two weeks have been ridiculous. He's thrown eight touchdowns, one interception. He went um, against Denver. He went twenty-eight for thirty-five, had like three thirty-five yards, um, and four touchdowns, one interception. And then against the Commanders, he only completed fifteen passes. DJ Moore was eight of them, and you know we all know the kind of game that he had. But fifteen for twenty-nine, two eighty-two yards, uh, and four touchdowns, no picks. So it's been looking good, you know, or uh, better the Bears way. Um, And it's just like, I don't know. The Bears really do have a shot in this game. And I think, um, I I don't know. Can we we now say that the Vikings really aren't that good of a team? Is that a fair thing to say? No, I think it is. On Wednesday's episode, I was talking about how, like, that Vikings-Chiefs game last week, from what we've seen from both of those teams – is how I expected them to perform. And it wasn't great on either side. No. So I, I just I think with the Vikings, like, you know, up to this point, you're one in four. You've played some decent teams, but you've also played some pretty bad teams. And yep. I, I think the fact that they don't have three wins right now is crazy. It's unbelievable. And it just makes you wonder, you know. I thought Minnesota was building, you know, a really, really awesome team um, that would last like multiple seasons at least. But, you know, with this one and four Vikings team, it definitely is still telling that they they have a long way to go. Yeah. A super long way to go. Especially on the defense. Their defense falls short in a big area and it's turnovers. Like they do other things well. They have good players in uh, multiple different spots. But they fall so short in turnovers. They have one interception this season as a defense. And opposing teams have only lost two fumbles against them. Whereas, and that's on on seven fumbles. They've only lost two against the Vikings defense. Whereas the Vikings offense has fumbled the ball ten times and lost it eight. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a big thing. If you're not getting turnovers, especially against teams like the Panthers and other teams you've played. And yes, they beat the Panthers, but the Panthers are a special case. They really suck. Um, 
But if you're not getting turnovers yeah. against the Chargers, who pass the ball a ton, if you're not getting turnovers against the Buccaneers in week one, like it's games like that where you need to get turnovers. And I'll, I'll give them this. This is a hard fucking schedule to start the season for the Vikings. Like You yeah. start the season against a Buccaneers team that surprised everybody. And then you yep. go Eagles, Chargers, and then you get the win against the Panthers, but it was a real sloppy one. And then you got to yep. face the Chiefs. Now you go to the Bears. Next week you play the 49ers. And it's like, okay. Like, realistically, they can be 1-4 right now because of the teams they've played. Arguably, they could have won against the Buccaneers week one. That would have put them, you know, 2-3 and three at the moment. And I think that's probably a more realistic idea of what this team could be. Because I, I, I think, and they could have won that game against the Chargers, but I think this game is, is a must-win for both because it's a matter of, for the Bears, is this the start of the turnaround? Is this where the offense, like, is what we've seen for the last two weeks real? Or, or can it at least be replicated to a successful point? Because, like, you're not yeah. going to put up 40 every week. Justin Fields is going to throw some picks. He's going to have some bad games. But can you do the right things enough week over week to at least be competitive in football games? And I think against this Vikings team that is struggling so bad, if the Bears do enough to be competitive, that's probably enough to win. That's a good point. Yeah. I completely agree. It's almost like it's almost like the Vikings offense is way too aggressive for a defense that can't get turnovers. Yeah. I guess is a good way to put it. But yeah, I, I um God, I don't know a score prediction for this game. It, <laughs> there's just so many unknowns with these teams, yeah. both of them. Yeah. It is like is it a is it a safe thing to say that Justin Fields can continue this performance? I I don't think it is. No. It's only been two weeks. He's been shit like his yeah. entire career. Um. But but then again, on the other side, like you have the Vikings who have just such a high powered offense that <clears throat> now doesn't have Justin Jefferson and a defense that really can't you know like we've talked about create turnovers. Yeah. It's it's unknowns on both sides, so um, I'm gonna let you go score prediction first. All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bears twenty four seventeen. I'm gonna take the Vikings twenty four seventeen. Okay, we're split. Split. Well, yep. let's talk about this next one because this one's just an interesting matchup to me in general. You have the Seahawks coming off of a bye week to play the Bengals, coming off their best game of the season. Bengals are a three-point yep. favorite at home, which just kind of makes sense. That's home field advantage. Seahawks coming off a bye. Makes sense. Over under 45 and a half, that is a trend. Mid-40s over-unders this week. But after last week, some heavy expectations on the Bengals. Jamar goes nuclear, and Joe Burrow finally looks back to form. But can we believe it? Like, can we fall yeah, for this? Exactly. I mean... <clears throat> I think the Bengals have more of a, a track record to say, like, th- this is the normal for them. So yeah. maybe they are back on track. But then again, they looked so bad at the beginning of the season, it's kind of like, are they back on track sort of thing? Um, 
I, I feel like a lot of their success came from Joe Mixon actually having like a better than decent game. Yeah. 25 carries, 18 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, you would like to see more, but for Joe Mixon, I feel like at this point in his career, that's actually a pretty good game. Definitely. I, I'm kind of like, I, I'm more on the side now with Joe Mixon that he is not as good as a running back as we thought he was, at least now. I definitely agree. Um, I think he's just like gotten a little bit figured out. Like he can, he still has the potential to have a good game, but I just, I don't know. It, it's not like, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not like week in and week out. I expect him to go for you know, eighty five and twenty five receiving yards and like a touchdown. Yeah, which is what yep. you could have expected out of him two years ago. For sure, but I, I think you know, looking at the Seahawks side, like I said, they're coming off of a bye. And it looks like DK might miss this game. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, it looks like he's got a rib injury still. And I think the Bengals really need this win more than the Seahawks. The Bengals need a commanding win here to kind of like officially start the turnaround. Yeah, um, but they're, I mean, with how the AFC North is going, they're definitely not out of the realm of no. e- even potentially still winning the division. Because, um, you know, the Steelers are 3-2, and two, the Ravens are 3-2, and two, and the Browns are 2-2. Two and two. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's super close there. But, you know, the Seahawks are coming off of a pretty interesting game against the Giants. And I, I really do feel like their pass game was very sorry. I mean, they only completed 13 passes. Um, and it's definitely telling of Geno Smith this season. He he has not been as good as he was last season. Um, but yeah, like I said, 13 for 20 against the Giants last week, uh, 110 yards and a touchdown. And I don't know if this win is inflated by the Giants being just so poor on offense. Because, I mean, with how the Giants have been playing offensively, you can win games with only completing 13 passes and honestly just not even turning the ball over. Yeah. So it, going into this game against Cincinnati, I, I honestly think I'm leaning more towards Cincinnati. I don't feel like the Seahawks beating the Giants 24 to 3 is honestly that big of a win. No, I don't think so. I, so. I think to me, like the Seahawks are pretty fortunate with this matchup because they're just, they're going to be able to have their way with the running game. The Bengals' run defense sucks, allowing 154 yeah. rushing yards per game. That's insane. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and it, it kind of makes this matchup more interesting because Seattle has not defended the pass well. They're giving up quite a few passing yards every game, but they run the ball well. And the Bengals haven't defended the run well, but last week they passed the ball very well. Like, it, it's a it's a weird matchup where it's like, okay, if Seattle can do an exceptional job running the ball and managing the clock, then they might just hold out the Bengals for this game. But I think it's got to be a close one. Yeah, definitely going to be a close one. But I I don't see how this game could be a game where Cincinnati doesn't turn the ball over. Um, Just to highlight a couple defensive players from uh, last week's game against the Giants for the Seahawks, Bobby Wagner had 17 total tackles and two sacks. Then you had Devin Weatherspoon, the rookie, who was, l- like, literally unstoppable. Seven tackles, two sacks as a cornerback, and a pick six that was 97 yards. Yeah. And I just feel like with how the Bengals' offense, how we've seen them kind of waver, 
um, early on in the season, I could definitely see some turnovers here, which will keep this game pretty close. Yeah, sure. I, I think so as well. Obviously, you know, Joe Burrow's probably not going to turn the ball over as much as Daniel Jones. I think that's a safe assumption. Um, yeah, true. But, no, I think I, I definitely think you're right. I, I think with this one, I'm, I'm going to go with the Bengals, probably just kind of riding the hype off of last week. Um, yeah. And, like, you know, there's a precedent here with the Bengals. So yeah. I'm going to... I'm gonna take the Bengals. Eh, I, th- I think it'll be pretty high scoring, probably like a twenty, nah, thirty-one twenty-four, or thirty-one twenty-seven actually. Okay, I'm gonna go uh, twenty-four twenty-one Bengals. Okay. All right. Next game though. Close. I love this matchup. The Lions <laughs> on the road in Tampa. The Lions are a three-point favorite on the road. Like I said, road favorites are a theme this week. Over-under, 44. Theme. I don't know what it is, but this week just seems like it should be great. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. speaking of great, these two teams have been playing great football. Think about this Lions team and kind of just how they have improved game by game is that they look dominant. I talked about on Wednesday, but... I can't go into a Lions game thinking that they can't win. Like there's no way I watch a game or I look at a game that the Lions play in and I'm like they have no shot. Yeah. Like they can be competitive or win every matchup they have. Like I I look at the remainder of this schedule for them. And it, what their hardest game is the Cowboys in the second to last week of the season. Like their schedule, oh, they can beat the Cowboys. yeah, and their schedule is ridiculously easy. They have the Buccaneers, the Ravens' defense might give them some troubles, but I think they'll be fine. Then they have the Raiders, the Chargers, the Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears, Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, Broncos. Oh my God, they're going to go undefeated the rest of the yeah, fucking season. dude. Like they actually could. <laughs> like you look at this schedule, and, and of course they're going to get upset one or two times. That's just going to happen. Yeah. But like this team could actually go like, you know, 13 and three. Or, yeah. Which, how the fuck does they, the schedule work now? They play 17 games, 14 and three. I can't, yeah. I can't keep up with this shit. Three, 13 and four or something. Yeah. But anyway, like, this, I am just so glad that, you know, we on the podcast were giving the Lions the respect they deserve before they even played the Chiefs. I feel yeah. like you and I were, you know, definitely behind them. Jared Goff is a top five quarterback in this league. It, it, it's just that simple. I, I would go that season or just straight up this season. Okay, okay. I, yeah, I think I might. But, I mean, be, yeah, I can even hop on with that. Season, I, I don't know if you remember, but last season when we did our like top ten rankings, yeah. you and I both mentioned on the podcast we did not realize how good Jared Goff yeah. actually was just looking at his stats from last season and this season it looks like it's going to be even better um and i understand that the cardinals are 0 and 5 and still put up 24 against this lions team jared goff went 20 for 28 three touchdowns didn't have a lot of yards but that's just the jared goff way with no amonra st brown they put up 42 without the best receiver on their team and jameer gibbs and Jimmy, I totally forgot that he didn't even play. But yeah. like, 
David Montgomery, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I always knew that he had this talent, but he was on the Bears. I did not think it was going to look like this for him. He, I, everybody that drafted Jameer Gibbs better be very pissed off at David Montgomery, right, Grayson? Yes. Um, <laughs> hey, but, I just want to point it out. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off. I just want to point out the fact that me and Luke both won in fantasy last week, and each of us started respectively, Luke started Amon Ra and I started Jameer Gibbs because we weren't paying attention. We both won. Yeah. <laughs> How the fuck did that happen? Dude, I had a uh, okay, well, I that got zero. Yeah, Ooh. well, Jamar Chase helped me quite a bit. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but but um, crazy. Just Continue. to go back to it, you have this tight end, Sam Laporta, Okay, oh three receptions, God. 47 yards. You're, you're thinking, oh, that's, you know, that's an okay game for a tight end. Two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, Sam Laporta, man, he could be he could be offensive rookie of the year for the NFC. I mean, it's he is that good, I think, uh, that he definitely needs to be in that discussion. Um, and, and, you know, not only that, but you have Aiden Hutchinson, who had a slow start to his season. He's had a sack in his last three games. It, it's just this Lions team all across the board, man. They're they're a contender. They're a real contender. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I just think you know on the Buccaneers side, I think they're good, but they're not great. Like the offense has flaws, but it's sufficient to like support their defense's efforts. Like their yeah. defense is great. I will one hundred percent give them that. The offense just yeah. isn't enough. Like they're not putting up points on teams. They're just holding other teams to few points. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, honestly, like the, the thing that helps the Buccaneers the most is that they they don't have like it, it's not like a lot of teams where it's an elite, you know, run defense and uh, a serviceable secondary or, you know, vice versa. They're just great at both. And that bodes very yeah. well for them against the Lions, who also are great at both. Yeah. So no, for sure. And then, Oh, go ahead. I, I was just, no, I was going to go off on a whole tangent. So go ahead. No, no, I want to hear this. Okay. All right. Let's <laughs> hear it. So, uh, Baker Mayfield definitely has settled into the NFL. Finally. Yep. Um, looks like he finally has found a home. Rashad white. I, I like Rashad white. And I think he does just enough for this run game to make it seem good. He's also a decent wide receiver as well. And then, you know, it's just unfair. Like, you have Mike Evans who goes down in this Saints game. You still got Chris Godwin who had eight receptions for one, uh, 114 yards. And, and Kate Otten is just a really, really good red zone tight end. Um, and, and, you know, to your point, like, yeah, the offense isn't great, but it, it does just enough to win them games based on the, how their defense plays. Um, I, I feel like this Buccaneers team could go far, too. I, I really do. Yeah, I do. I just, like I said, I, I, I love the Lions right now, and it's pretty hard for me to root against them. Yeah, me too. So me too. I'm going to go for a, a relatively low-scoring game here just because the defenses work well, but... Like uh, like twenty one fourteen lions. Okay, I'm gonna go another twenty four seventeen lions. Okay. Yeah. All right. Our uh, our final game of in depth coverage. 
The Cowboys favored on the road versus the Chargers. This one a little higher over under, 51 points here, which makes a lot of sense considering these two teams and how they've looked up to you know this point. Cowboys gave up 42 last week to one of the best offenses in football. The Chargers' defense is god-awful. But yeah, I still think it's interesting to see the Cowboys favorite on the road. Maybe I'm just overthinking the fact that the 49ers are just so fucking good and that no one can look good against them. Uh, <laughs> but the Cowboys, like some of the mistakes they were making in that game was not like dependent on like the defense of the 49ers. Like they were just making mistakes that anybody would capitalize on. Yeah, I mean, um, they they had no run game the entire time. Yeah. Tony Pollard was pretty much just stuck. Uh, only fifty seven run yards between rushing yards between like six people. Yeah. Um, you know, CD Lamb couldn't really get going. I mean, like just completely de- decimated offensively. The Cowboys were, and I I really do think after this game with the talent that the Cowboys have on defense and with the talent that they have on offense, I I have finally lost my patience with number four on the fucking Cowboys. And it, it honestly is frustrating. Yeah, the Cowboys are rivals with the Steelers, but my dad is a Cowboys fan, so I grew up watching so much Cowboys football. They're a team I like to watch and I like to kind of pay attention to. And it is genuinely frustrating how much Dak Prescott holds this team back. And... Man, I, I gave him so many chances. I, like, I really, even last season and the season before, I was still kind of in his quarter, corner saying, like, you know, it can get better. It can get better. He needs to go. He, he is the one thing holding this team back at this point. My yeah, I, I definitely think he is. I think, you know, I, I'll, I'm going to man up and just say that I was wrong about this offense and how they would change it because – it just seems like Mike McCarthy hasn't changed shit. Um, I think he's definitely a problem as well. Um, yeah. Almost probably as much as Dak Prescott is. Because now everything goes to Mike. He's the offensive play caller now. It's his fault if this offense doesn't perform. And it is. 100% yeah. his fault right now. It, like, Dak has had... It, when Dak has a conservative performance... The Cowboys look good. When you try and make him do more than he needs to or more than just maybe he's comfortable with, it gets out of hand every single time without failure. I think this week is an opportunity for them to kind of rewrite their wrongs here, but it's going to be difficult. Like, no matter what, it's going to be a difficult win. They just match up against this defense pretty well because the Chargers' defense is so bad. Like, they're giving up 300 passing yards and over 100 rushing yards per game. Yeah, and they um, are paying a, I don't know, can we say Khalil Max washed? Uh, he had a pretty good game like two weeks ago, six sacks. Yeah, yeah, that was... That was pretty good, but when's the last time we've seen that out of him? I, I I feel like last season for the Chargers, he was kind of like a non-threat, kind of compared to what he usually. Yeah. Um. But you know, on on the Chargers side, I feel like they have a you know 
really good chance to beat the Cowboys. I think we both can say that. But, you know, this Chargers team, and maybe it was just because it was a rivalry game against Vegas, but they only lost by one touchdown to Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. And the Raiders. Um, and Josh Jacobs didn't even have that good of a game against them either. He, well, eight receptions, 81 yards. I just yeah, noticed that, but on the, on the ground, he wasn't very yeah. good. Um, I, I just, I, I don't get it with either of these teams. They're, they're very confusing about how they work. Like I, I'm looking at the chargers right now. How does Keenan Allen only get three receptions? How does, how is Quentin Johnston not gotten involved in this offense yet? E- even with Mike Williams being out. Yeah. I, I just I, I'm at a loss for both of these teams. I I don't really know, I don't know what direction they're trying to go in with, really both sides of the ball, honestly. Um, and you know I'm sure it hurts the Chargers that Eckler's still hurt too. Um, who might be coming back this week maybe. Um, if if Eckler plays, the Cowboys might be finished. Yeah. Because like you got to think like although the Chargers defense is bad. Do you think the Cowboys could honestly win a game if it if the Chargers kept scoring and putting the pressure back on Dak Prescott? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, because no matter how bad the defense is, Dak will still make a couple mistakes if the game is on him. Which, with how high-powered the Chargers' offense is, it might be. Could be. I just looked at the uh, injury report. Eckler said on Tuesday that he's 99% certain that he'll play on Monday. There's that 1%. We'll see. But, yeah. I don't know. What are you thinking for this one? I, I I, I don't know, man. Like, the Cowboys need a win. The Chargers need a win. I don't know who wants it more. I don't know who has the ability to want it more than the other team and show it. Because both of yeah. these teams have certainly lost the games that they've lost. Like, they didn't get beat. They lost. Yeah. And I just, man, I don't know. I, I'm i going to go with the Cowboys just because the defense is good. Like, the 49ers fucked them up. Undoubtedly. <clears throat> yeah. But there's still some good things to look for on that defense. Stefan Gilmore is still very good. They still have yeah. Micah Parsons, who, yeah, he got shut down last week because he was going up against Trent Williams. And when it wasn't Trent Williams, it was a combination of uh, the right guard and George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk. Like they did everything to stop Micah, and it worked. The Chargers yeah. don't have enough on that offensive line to stop him. So I, I think the Cowboys win. I do think it will be high scoring. I, I think we're looking at I don't know how like how actually high scoring it'll be, but like it's gonna feel like there's a lot of points. I, I got a feeling it'll be like a a th- I, I always go back to the score, but thirty one twenty seven for the Cowboys. I think um hmm. See, you're right about that Cowboys defense, though. That definitely kind of puts, like, I I think I kind of want to go 28-21 Chargers. Okay. Uh, I'm just betting on a really good Chargers performance that Dak Prescott will not be able to. He'll be playing catch-up the whole game. Yeah. And Dak Prescott can't play catch-up. So. Yeah. 
I like that. That's what I'm going to go with. All right, let's look at the rest of the slate. So um, as I've done um, for most of these Thursday night football games, uh, congratulations to the Chiefs for beating the Broncos uh, 28-3. to <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Um, so oh. if you're listening in the morning, if I'm right, um, fuck you. If I'm wrong, fuck you as well. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> How would I know? That's going to be my yeah. answer. <laughs> I love it. That matchup is just so like cut and dry. Who's going to win? Yeah. I. What an annoying Thursday night game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, this one was one of those where, like, they scheduled it before the season. They were like, oh, yeah, dude. Sean Payton versus Andy Reid. Dude, Patrick Mahomes versus Russell Wilson. This is going to be a great matchup. It's one and four versus four and one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like every single Sunday night football game that's happened so far this year. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like the primetime games when I was a kid were so much better than what they are yeah, now. Yeah, Sunday Night Football this week. Giants-Bills. I wonder who's winning that game. <laughs> oh, like, oh, God. Like, even the Steelers and Browns on primetime was better than – it was probably one of the best primetime games we've had so yeah, far. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think they've done pretty well with the Monday nights, but the Sunday nights have just been awful. Yeah. Um, all right, let's start with uh, London. Back at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, playing on the cement. Uh, Ravens-Titans. I don't know. Damn. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Baltimore's a four-point favorite. Their defense is very good, and Derrick Henry has been showing his age quite a bit. Uh, you know what, though? Um, D-Hop finally had his game yeah. last week. I don't remember what his stats were, but he finally oh, yeah. had like a vintage D-Hop performance. He had like 80% of Ryan Tannehill's passing yards. Uh, it just pisses me off the teams that he's played for, man. I, I just can't stand the way D-Hop's career is gone. I, I literally like j- – just to talk about D-Hop for a second, for – since he got drafted and I would say like since Deshaun Watson started developing a lot better and D hop had Deshaun uh, with the Texans, I I thought D hop was the best wide receiver in the league. Yeah. Not, not based on stats, just the, he was just the full package. And I mean, his catch radius is unlike anything I have ever seen in in my life. He catches everything. Yeah. It is ridiculous what he can do. He has just played on the most dot. Like he's never had a quarterback. Except no. for Deshaun. Yeah, and Deshaun <laughs> kind of fucked that one up. The illegal touching, if you will. Flag on the play. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. What do you think about this one? I'm, I'm thinking like Ravens Ravens 17, Titans 12. Uh, I'll give the Ravens a three point, three point more credit. I'll go like a 20 to, 20 to 17 Baltimore. Okay. Yeah, dude, that field is so bad. Like, it's, like, why the fuck would we play a game in another country at a stadium where they're going to take away the grass that's there and lay down turf just for the games and then take it off? Like, they literally have video 
that like the NFL was putting out where they remove all of the grass, like all the panels, and then roll out turf carpet, essentially. What like what are we thinking? And it's like, it's not like um, we haven't had so many injuries on turf and multiple, multiple NFL players have come out and been like, you know, I'm, I'm not comfortable playing on turf. Like on on the newest episode of New Heights, they talked about it because Travis said that when he got hurt last week during the game and ended up coming back, that it was certainly affected by the turf. So what he was saying is that, when he felt his foot slide, but the, it's not an issue because it, it would slide on grass no matter what. It's when it catches. Yes. And it, and it stops you from your foot sliding that causes the issues. And that's what's happening. That's why the ACL one, that's why that injury is so big on turf fields is because if, you're, like, if your foot is sliding forward – and your momentum slide like moving forward, and then all of a sudden your cleat grabs on something that it wouldn't grab on on grass, your foot stops moving, and your upper half keeps moving, and then you're fucked. On, on top of that, you're a superhuman athlete who's moving at a rapid pace. Yeah. With all that weight built in the offseason, it's ridiculous. I think the most, the most bizarre turf injury I've ever seen was... Um, I think it was last season. It was uh, Sterling Shepard on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys. Like, was running a route. Nobody even touched him. And he just, like, he, he his leg yeah. came up and he just fell to the ground. And his season's over, just like that. Yep. It's it's ridiculous. I, I don't understand how, how there hasn't been more of a push for, to keep your to keep your moneymakers on the field, essentially. Yeah. I, I think I it's ridiculous it. that in – an NFL organization won't spend the money to have a grass field and take care of it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it like, is. Like, think about it. If we're going to talk about you know playing at a soccer stadium, these soccer teams that don't generate nearly as much money as an NFL team does, they take care of those fields. Every yeah. every single weekend. Whether you're going to fucking Kenilworth Road or you're going to fucking Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, that grass is taken care of. Like pristine. It's like yeah. some of the best landscape you'll ever see. Like the Leicester uh, groundsman. Yes. They'll like cut like diamonds into the fucking stadium. Yeah. It's insane. It's it's completely insane. But an I, I don't NFL know why that franchise that is worth billions of dollars can't hire a team of people to take care of the field because it's too expensive. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And then they're like, well, we have indoor stadiums. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Okay, Jason Kelsey made a point about this as well. Just remember that. It's a, a very funny point is that People grow grass indoors. There's lights. There's all sorts of shit. You you have fucking teams that keep their grass 
outside of the stadium on panels that they move inside the stadium for the game. And that works. That's totally fine. Yeah. Like we we all saw the videos of the fucking um of Real Madrid, their field, and how that that's all set up. It's crazy. Oh my god. It's literally all automated and it's just a bunch of panels of grass that just they they're like sitting up here and they just slide over, go down, and they're stored in the correct like temperature, light, and everything they need to keep that grass in pristine condition under the stadium. Yeah. But we want to play on fucking carpet. Dude, I Speaking of the Santiago Bernabeu, second and short should like go to the Santiago Bernabeu and like vlog that shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that'd be um, sick. Can we get like a a Delta, <laughs> Delta and SeatGeek? We need a, a sponsorship yeah. to send us to the Santiago Bernabeu in Madrid, Spain, to watch, preferably El Clasico. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Maybe the day before we can tour the stadium or fly Emirates if they want to sponsor yeah. us too. Or Saudi Arabia, <laughs> hit me up. Hit me up. Uh, second short pod at gmail dot com with all your business inquiries. Um. For <laughs> all right, Forty uh, ers Browns. How bad are they going to kick their ass? <laughs> I don't know. Like, do, do the Browns have a defense that's serviceable against this team to make it a close game? Uh, not if Purdy's playing like he has been. Yeah, I, I four touchdowns, no interceptions against the Cowboys is pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like if Deshaun plays, it could maybe, maybe add some interesting moments in the game. It could. The Browns. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll have to see, but. A very low line, which makes sense. Over under thirty seven. So wow. like they see this one as like twenty to seventeen, essentially. Yeah. And I do too. Um I'm probably more in the boat of like the forty ers probably putting up twenty eight, maybe twenty four. Probably twenty four. I'll 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 give the Browns a, a stop on they're half of the field, and they kick a field goal. So I'll go 49ers 24, Browns 13. I just don't think that offense has that juice anymore. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with an upset. I, I am going to pick someone against the 49ers, Grayson. I'm going to go 27-24 Cleveland. Okay. We'll see. I like that defense, man. All right. Panthers, well, Dolphins. Like other- <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Panthers, <laughs> Dolphins. Wow. So how many yards can Tyreek Hill have? I'm starting at 230. It's nothing Okay. Lower. Well, there's no Devin A. Chain in this one. I so... have Raheem Mostert. Playing just fine, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Brutal. I think Tyreek Hill probably puts up, uh, puts up Jamar Chase numbers from last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dolphins 38, Panthers 10. All right. Uh, Dolphins 48, <laughs> Panthers uh, 17. You know, to be fair, the Panthers did just give up 42 to Jared Goff yeah. and the Lions. That's kind of my thinking oh. here. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, Colts-Jags. I love this matchup. This one almost went on the prep sheet. Even though Gardner Minshew will be the starting quarterback, I was not impressed by the Jags last week. Not happy with that performance at all. No, and I know it was in London. Not at all. And I know they'd been there for you know two weeks, essentially, at that point, and they were playing on shitty turf. But I'm still not very impressed by this team. Like Travis at the end looked fantastic. I'll give him that 100%. Yeah. The Colts, I do like. Zach Moss looks very good. Had a great week last week. Jonathan Taylor kind of, you know, easing his way in, it seems. But I still think it's hard to pick against the Jags in this matchup, mainly because Gardner is going to be a quarterback. I I don't know. I'm kind of leaning more towards the Colts. Um, Like you said, with how Zach Moss has been playing, um, Anthony Richardson – or no, or we have Gardner Minshew, right? Yeah. I I still think uh, Minshew's been serviceable for this Colts team. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like really anytime he stepped out there, he's been you know one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. Um, I think I'm going to take the Colts in this one. Maybe like a uh, 24-21 Colts. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go 20. 20- Four seventeen Jags. Okay. Yeah, I think that works for me. Um, Saints Texans also almost made the prep sheet. Hmm. Saints oh, a one and a half point favorite on the road. I don't know, man. The Texans. Um, Texans look good. Yeah, I was surprised I, I really- by how well the Falcons stopped them last week. Yeah, um, no, I was too, um, especially offensively. I, I don't think, yeah, C.J. Stroud yet to throw an interception. <laughs> yeah, Still, crazy. Uh, which is ridiculous. And, I mean, it, Desmond Ritter, he showed out. Uh, definitely had uh, probably the best game of his career, would you say? Oh, yeah. Also, I totally forgot uh, about yeah. Commander's Falcons, but we'll talk about that one next. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of leaning more towards Houston. Yeah, I am as well. Like, the Saints' defense has been pretty good. Um, I just don't know how I feel about that offense at all. Yeah. Like, they have not been scoring points. Like, other than last week against the Patriots, where I think their defense scored two of the touchdowns, they haven't put up more than, like, 20. Even with Alvin Kamara being back, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go leaning, Houston. Yeah, I'm leaning Houston as well. I'm thinking 28-20 Texans. 28-20. I'm going to go 20-2014 Texans. <clears throat> okay. Um, all right, Falcons, Commanders. I don't Ooh. know. I really don't. I, I think the Falcons might have their work cut out for them, dude. Uh, Sam Darnold, or not not Sam Darnold, Sam Howell, sorry. Yeah. It, he can just sling it. Yeah. Can. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. He just puts up a lot of, like, really <clears throat> desirable quarterback stats. He does. I, I don't know how. Yeah, I, I just I, – I love the way the Falcons' secondary looked last week against the Texans. Like, holding Stroud to 250 looks very good, considering how he started the season. <clears throat> so I'm yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and run with it, <laughs> and 
And okay. the fact that like Sam Howell has been getting sacked so much makes me feel very good going into this. I I'm still leaning more towards the Commanders, just simply like. Ah, man, it, it, it's tough because I, I think the Falcons, uh, Desmond Ritter is so bad that if a team just scores, I, I feel like there's a certain point. Like, I don't see I don't see the Falcons winning a lot of games if they give up like 21, 24 points. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I think the commanders have been good at is putting up a lot of points. So I'm going to take the commanders 27 27 17. It's not the Falcons won't be out of the game, but they're gonna lose. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Falcons uh, 24 20. Like it. All right. Patriots Raiders. What do we think? Raiders. Any yeah. anybody against the Patriots yep. is probably going to win. I I picked up the Saints defense last week in fantasy, and I picked up the Raiders defense this week. The Patriots suck; they're dysfunctional. <laughs> dude, you're XP farming off of this poor ass offense, and yeah, I love dude, it. They're ass. They're yeah, they're laughable ass. I don't it's, think there's um, a there is not a single good thing to bring up. No, there's not. There's no, not my, my one. Favorite... It's not like. Oh, well, at least the run game looks good. Ramondre Stevenson looks like the biggest fraud of the century. Yeah. Mac Jones is ass. Bailey Zappi's not much better. As much as people want Zappi to start, he's not much better. The defense, while yeah. missing Judon, is non-existent. Like, the last two weeks, Bill Belichick has had his two worst losses of his career. And this is about to be his 500th game that he has coached. <laughs> yeah. It's it's insane. Yep. And yes, the Raiders offense isn't great. They just don't put up points, surprisingly, despite having one of the best wide receivers in the league and one of the best running backs in the league. They still don't put up 30 at all. No, nah, but both of those players are going to fucking eat in this game. Oh yeah. I, I like This is the game just, they put I, up 30. I I, I hope one I just want to like Close your eyes and picture this, right? Yeah. Devontae Adams playing against this Patriots team. Yeah. He, he's going to be open the whole fucking time. Like, it, it, there's nothing they're going to be able to do to stop him. Yeah. I mean, like, you can you can say all you want about Bill Belichick and, like, his ability to kind of, like, game plan. And, you know, he's one of the best coaches of all time, easily. But he just simply, this season, lacks all the personnel to do anything yeah. that he wants to do. I agree. I, I, I just, the they have the, no one. They have nobody. Yeah. They literally have nobody. They have like, oh, Devonte Parker, who I, I'll admit, like I expected him to look really, really bad after his tenure with the dolphins. He actually doesn't really look that bad with the Patriots, uh, but they, they have nobody to throw to and a horrible quarterback yeah. and no run game. And no defense, and like you said, Judon's out. It's they—they they are. I—I I would honestly say that the Patriots are worse than the Panthers. Yeah, in my opinion, I think so. It's uh, it's horrible for them. And even yeah. last week, like their top offensive target, Hunter Henry, didn't even catch a ball. Mm -hmm. Ask my fantasy team. I traded George Kittle for that guy. Yeah, 
<laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I'm I'm taking anybody but the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take the Raiders thirty-one, Patriots seven. I'm gonna take the Raiders. Uh, I I think it'll be like twenty-eight to ten. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals Rams. Rams have just been getting unlucky. Yeah. Yep. Like. Last um, week wasn't a bad performance. They were just playing the Eagles. <laughs> That's what yeah. is so difficult. It's like this this is like exactly what um the Vikings should be right now. Is what the Rams are. They they yeah. win against the Seahawks week 1, but then they have 49ers, Bengals that they lose to, which is fine. You beat the Colts, you lose to the Eagles. That makes sense. It's okay that they're two and three right now. It, it really like, is. It, and yes, the Bengals up. looked bad at the time, but like going into this, if I were to say the Rave or the Rams started two and three, it makes sense. Yeah. It does. But you know what's crazy? I, I still think the Rams are better than the Vikings. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. In teams like that, I would I would put the Rams over a lot of teams that are above five hundred probably right now. Yeah. Um. It, you got a division rivalry game here. No James Connor, which sucks. Um, but I I feel like even the Cardinals last game they really did not run the ball that bad against the Bengals with James mm-hmm. Connor being hurt and. Maybe it was just because it was the Bengals, but like James Conner, even though he got hurt, six carries, 46 yards. Amari uh, DiMercato, I-, I guess is how you would say yeah. his name, the backup that came in, 10 carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Like they're, they're probably going to be fine without Conner, I think. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I- I'm-, I'm taking the Rams. I'm right. taking the Rams anyway. Yeah, I'm taking the Rams. Um, I think it'll be kind of high scoring. Probably like a, I'm going to say 31-20. Yeah, I'll match you on that. 31-20 Rams. All right. Eagles-Jets. Jets got a good mm. defense. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they <laughs> If there's anybody that can take, you know, two elite wide receivers out of the game, the Jets are one of the teams I'd probably say. Yeah. Do that. Um and and that kind of goes, you know, not only to speak with their second speak about their secondary, but also their pass rush, I feel like isn't that bad either. Um but can they can they can they score touchdowns against the Eagles though? I, I think is definitely the question. No. no <laughs> I, and I'm right there with you. I see this as like uh twenty I'll go twenty four ten. Cause when the Eagles have played good defenses, they haven't shined. So they're still gonna put up enough points to win, but it's not gonna be like some ridiculous blowout. Yeah, exactly. Um I'm gonna take Philly twenty four seventeen. All right. Well, the last game that we haven't talked about yet is Giants-Bills. The Bills, just before we say anything, the Bills are favored by 14.5 points with an over-under of 45. 
That's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> that means they expect the Bills to score 38 to 40 points in this game. Yeah. Um, I, I know that Saquon is trending in the right direction, but I don't even think he can save this offense. No. No, not at all. Um, with Saquon being back, I'm going to give the Giants 13, but that's <laughs> that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're going to lose though. The, the the Bills probably. I'm going to say exactly what the um, uh, what Vegas says. I'm going to go 38, 13. All right. Um, I'm going to go 30, 35, 10. A straight push on the over under. Yeah. Um, and before then, we move uh, on from NFL, yeah, uh, Packers and Steelers ahead. on a buy. Yeah, um, I wanted to talk about the Steelers real fast because you know they may or may not be my favorite team. Oh, I uh, think they are. Last time I checked, they are. Yeah, <laughs> based on the what? fact that you were wearing a matching hat and sweatshirt before we recorded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> PJ Watt currently leads the league or is tied in the league. For sacks, which he has eight. Quarterback pressures, which he has 20 of. Quarterback hits, which he has 15 of. TFLs, which he has seven. Force fumbles, two. Fumble recoveries, three. And a fumble recovery for a touchdown, one. This is like, he looks like he might break his own sack record. Yeah. And I'm knocking on wood because he has been proven to get hurt before. Um, let's see, uh, another Steelers stat that I have, Joey Porter Jr., our, our rookie out of the second round, um, Peasy Jr., son of the Steelers legend, of course, he has a zero passer rating when quarterbacks throw to him this season. And I don't know if you saw the play, but, um, Lamar Jackson threw a jump ball for Odell to catch against Joey Porter Jr., and he picked him off. Granted, it, it was more of a throw to Joey Porter Jr. than it was to Odell, but like, I mean, that's still Odell. Yeah. In single cup, that's you know that's a pretty big deal. And then uh, my last little Steelers uh, tidbit that I have for us is uh, Iron Leftwich has actually been calling the Steelers about an offensive like he wants an offensive consultant job. I don't know if you know much about Byron Leftwich, but um, he was Ben Roethlisberger's quarterback for yeah. a minute. Um, in Pittsburgh, and then I think he went on to get a couple rings with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I I I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> I do not understand why we wouldn't bring in a guy like that that's been literally calling us. He he yeah. played for us. <laughs> I don't get it. But anyway, um, happy to move into the bye week. I think this is a bye week that I'm actually kind of excited for as a Steelers fan. Of course, like I want to watch my team play, yeah. but you know, we have a lot of early injuries like Cameron Hayward's still out. Um, Deontay Johnson's coming back after this bye to play against the Packers. So this is a very favorable bye week. I think for the Steelers, we need to figure some shit out. Definitely. There is quite a few things to figure out on that offense. Um, yeah. I, I, I think this will be a, a, a good week in the NFL. I, I'm confident in that. Yeah. I'm excited. All right. Well, let's just let's do it. Let's let's do it. Let's talk about the MLB. As much as I'd love not to. Um <laughs> as much as I would love to not talk about what happened yesterday. 
we'll, we'll take a minute before we get into it. But for now, let's start talking about a little bit of postseason baseball. We'll start here. The Rangers whooped up on the Orioles to complete the sweep and punch their ticket to the ALCS. Texas takes game three, seven to one, Tuesday night. Just like Baltimore took the thing they did bad in game one and the thing they did bad in game two, and they did both of them in game three. It's crazy. <laughs> like, I love the Baltimore Orioles this season, and I love what they have going for them in the future. Way too young of a team. Not enough playoff experience. Just simply put, I think that was their biggest issue here, and the Rangers are hot. Yeah, I mean, this Evan Carter kid is oh like God. one of the best players in the postseason oh so far. God, 21 years insane. old. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Like, um, you know, before we uh, before we embarked on this postseason journey, I, I asked you if, you know, you thought um, Adolis Garcia was going to be able to come back and actually have like a positive impact for this Texans team. And it really hasn't even been about him. It, it's no. been about everybody else. Like, he had a great game, game three, but outside of that, wasn't all that productive. Yeah. But, um, damn, this Evan Carter kid, I, I just can't – I can't believe what he's able to do. The way – It's been insane. His his discipline at the plate is unrivaled. Yeah. 100%. Nobody has better discipline at the plate, especially at his age. He is young. Like, very young. Yeah. And super young, like the only guy on this team that probably in the entire postseason right now that has a better on base percentage is his teammate Corey Seager, who's been fantastic, batting 429, the same as Evan Carter, just a little bit higher on base percentage because Carter did struggle here in game three, but still one for four can't get mad at. No, not at all. And I mean, even I, I want to say that, um, Going into this postseason, we had a lot of questions about the Texas Rangers bullpen. Yeah, they have like completely just—I mean, like oh, just yeah. tightened up. Um, and Aroldis Chapman doesn't even look bad. I mean, no. he did have two walks in one because he can't. You know, he closes his eyes when he fucking throws. It seems like, but I mean, it, <laughs> they just um, God, the Rangers look a lot better than what we thought they were. Definitely. And now we're gonna have a a, a Texas ALCS. Yeah. Well. We'll talk about that a little bit more once we get through all of the divisional series games. I got I got a couple things to say about that. But Eovaldi looked amazing. In both of his starts so far in this postseason, he has looked unstoppable. This one, yeah. no difference. Seven innings, five hits, one run, seven strikeouts, 98 pitches. Just, it looks so easy for him right now. And that is huge. Yeah. Because you're going to need all the pitching help you can get when you're facing the Astros. But Chapman struggled a little bit. Jose Leclerc came in, cleaned up Araldis's mess, and then continued to finish it off in the ninth. I love to see that in the postseason. Letting a guy carry over, it shows that you have confidence in him, and in that case, that gives him confidence. He threw four outs in 14 pitches to end the game. Like That's huge. But for I mean, Orioles... For Nothing. the Orioles, it's just, it's tough. Like, Gunnar Henderson had such a good game. Nobody else behind him could hit. Yeah, no. Um, 
he had what three of their six hits. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. The Orioles were, you know, just that young team, and I, despite what they did in the post or the regular season, it, it really is a different ball game. Yeah, in in the postseason. So, yeah, they just um they struggled. Yeah, and time. then also on Tuesday, since we didn't talk about it on Wednesday's episode, um, the Astros dominated Game Three against Minnesota nine one. Uh, but let's get to Wednesday night because a lot happened. I want to start off by saying that. of the runs scored on Wednesday came from home runs. Thanks to the Diamondbacks. (laughs) Thanks to everybody because that's the highest percentage on any day with at least three games in MLB history. Regular season and postseason. Wow. It's also thanks to Bryce Harper, his two home runs. But I want to talk about the uh, attaboy Harper thing. Because I'm, I'm not going to, like, condemn the Phillies for running with it. But first, like, it, it at first it seemed like it might not have even been said and that a media member just said it to stir the pot. And then after Wednesday's game, Arcia did confirm that he said it. But what he said, obviously through a translator, was he wasn't supposed to hear it. That's why we were saying it in the clubhouse. And I can't stress that enough. I can't stress the the privacy of an MLB clubhouse. And of course, why is he saying it when there's media members in there? It's the heat of the moment. Like you can't stop him from saying that. And let's be honest, media members shouldn't be talking about the shit that they just overhear. Yeah. I hate that. And and look, all credit to Bryce and the Phillies for running with it. If you needed that kind of motivation, cool. I don't care. That's fine. But I'm just going to defend my guy and say, we're not sitting here fucking listening to what they have to say in the clubhouse and then, you know, putting it on a fucking t-shirt. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's what I have to say about that. So let's talk about know, the game I- now. No, I, I just well, hang on. I, I wanted to go comment ahead. on that as well. Um, it just like I don't know why everybody's being such a pussy about it. Like that's just how so, this goes. Like, I, I I love the trash talk, and I loved Harper's response. Yeah, and I like the Phillies running with it, but I don't think the Braves should have to back down from it. You know, like it, it, they they won the game off of Harper. You know, being caught out at first base. Of course, they're going to talk shit if if one of the Phillies' yeah. best players get kind of shown up like that. You know, you wouldn't expect Bryce Harper to be thrown out at first. After, you, you know, like it's just something that you wouldn't think Bryce Harper would do. Why not say something to it? And also, why would you not want him to hear it? Yeah, I, like I, I don't get it. Say it to his face. I I don't I don't understand. Like it's just trash talk, and, and it's. And not only that, it's two rival teams that like can't stand each other. Like you have, yeah, the way that the Braves clinched um, postseason wasn't it against the Phillies, right? Uh, yes. And it was just like this huge party. I I love the edge how the Phillies are. You know, they're coming back in the playoffs and they're mad about that. Like it's not a big deal. If anything, it should be celebrated as long as a player isn't being racist or talking about moms or wives or shit like that. 
Tr- trash talk is completely welcome by me. Yeah, I love it, it. And I, I hate like fucking Chris Bassett, whose bitch ass didn't even make the fucking playoffs, going out on Twitter and being like, starting pitchers don't like it when the position players piss off the other team's all star hitters. Shut the fuck up. You suck. Like you are Bro, shit. better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want you to say a word about my fucking team. Yeah, and, and, you know, to kind of bounce off of that, I kind of thought it was a little bit um, silly and, and, dare I say, pussy-like uh, of the Braves radio announcers to be like... because yes. Bryce Harper that was, was doing fucking the next lame. Game. Yeah, and it and the Braves guys were like, you know, with the current climate of the world, I don't think you should be doing no, that. Like, that's come fucking on. stupid. Like, when, did, when did this sport become so just like... I don't know. That that's just kind of my two cents on it. I love the trash talk. I love Bryce Harper doing this. It's yeah. this is a great series, and people are letting this trash talk completely take away for how for how cool this series really is. It's been fantastic. No, like as a, I can't say I'm a neutral baseball fan. There's fucking brave shit <laughs> all over the place. But yeah, as a fan of the MLB. This is a fantastic fucking series. I wish it was seven games. Oh my god! Yeah. If this was a seven game series, holy shit! But you guys might actually be able to come back if it was seven games. We can, okay. <laughs> yeah, we can come back. Can. We can come back <laughs> if they can win yeah. a game at fucking Truist. We can win a game at Citizens Bank. But um, yeah. Look, I, I first of all, the radio shit is obnoxious i first of all i love ben ingram one of the best like radio play-by-play guys i've never realized how uh how gracious i am for how good of radio guys we have for the braves because listening to other teams radio calls is hell but yeah i mean it's the same thing with me and michael k but go ahead continue the thing is is their job is Straight up, they are hired not just by the radio network, by the Braves. Yep. The Braves pay their bills. They can't be neutral. They have to find every reason to defend themselves. It's the same reason every single fucking time we get something like this, anything like this happens, you hear the radio announcers for the opposing team getting mad about it and making up an excuse for why they shouldn't do it. Cause there is bias everywhere. I'm biased yep. right now talking about it, defending my guys on the radio, <laughs> but yep. I think the comment was stupid. I, I think saying in this climate and all this shit, and that's coming from a man of Jewish heritage that lives in America, whatever I have, I have seen literal, Jewish hate directed towards the people I love. I don't think that was inappropriate. Like yeah. that's fucking ridiculous. And I just I don't know why people want to just run with stuff like that. I yeah. I, I don't get it. it. It never had anything to do with anything. That's the thing. You know how many fucking guys have hit a big three-pointer in the NBA playoffs and done the same shit. But nobody had yeah. a problem. Nobody was like, LeBron, why did you Why did you do this against whatever fucking team in the playoffs? Didn't you see that the 
I don't know, Saudi Arabia decapitated more journalists? Yeah. Nobody does that. <laughs> it's fucking yeah. ridiculous. It is the lame shit that makes people not want to watch baseball. Yeah. It is the commentators that pull that kind of shit. Because the guys on TV do it as well. I know I'm going off on a horrible tangent that doesn't fucking You're matter. Good. You're but good. We had to talk about this. This was big. Yeah. I I just, like, the TV guys do it as well. You know, they're, um, the, uh, the Marlins guys were obnoxious about the Braves and celebrating and all this shit. And even the Phillies fucking commentators being hypocritical when the Braves went up there and clinched and Ronald Acuna paused the game, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. It's, totally it's, forgot about it's that. It's fucking every single commentator and every single fan base is a huge fucking hypocrite, myself included. 100%. I am. I've, I've come on this podcast multiple times and said, I'm a piece of shit. I am. <laughs> Especially when sports get involved. I'm a huge piece of shit. And I'm going to run with anything I can. Spencer Strider's probably going to pitch like shit tonight, but I'm going to go in at 8.07 p.m. when he throws that first pitch. Or I guess Ranger Suarez will throw the first pitch, whatever. But I'm going to see that first pitch and just lock in every night. I don't care what the commentary yeah. has to say. I don't care that Jeffrey Coor, who fucking played for both of these teams, keep that in mind, but he is the commentator for the Braves, is calling these games and being very bipartisan. Very. Considering he literally works for Bally Sports Southeast, which is commissioned by the Atlanta Braves organization. Like, it just, I, I, don't, I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore. This rant is over. I want to talk about this game. 10-2, to two, Philadelphia, Game 3. Just, what the fuck? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Bryce Harper is now homered in eight postseason games with Philadelphia, and Philadelphia has won all eight that he has homered in. Yeah. That's crazy. So I guess key, key to victory tonight, don't let Bryce Harper hit a home run. Who would have thought? <laughs> um. Crazy. Just crazy. And <laughs> just to rub it in, this eight postseason games with eight wins where he's hit a home run is the longest win streak when homering to start a postseason career with a franchise since 1995 to 2001, Javi Lopez with the Braves. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, Bryce Elder was interesting. I... I thought we should have thrown A.J. smith Shaver just based off of Bryce Elder's second half of the season has been horrible. He's been giving up a ton of runs, and with how our offense has not been scoring runs, starting him in this situation doesn't make sense. So I thought smith Shaver should have been a same-day decision. You don't put too much stress on the rookie. Young guy, doesn't have a ton of experience, but he just goes out there and throws the ball. Bryce Elder has this whole fucking, what, the last three, four months, he has been shit. And that's weighing down on his shoulders considering it's our first game, or like it's the, you know, the the decision match or whatever, the, the one that breaks the tie in the series. 
and it's at Citizens Bank Park, one of the hardest, probably the hardest environment to play in in the playoffs. Red October, baby. Yeah. That was all weighing on him. If you just put out AJ out there and just told him, pitch, just throw the ball. Don't, I don't care if, I don't care if the game went the same way and AJ did it because he's a young guy. I expect things out of Bryce Elder that he simply is not doing correctly. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can say that it was all the fucking attaboy Harper shit and whatever it may be. The Phillies just beat up on Bryce Harper because he sucks. Sorry, Bryce Elder. Bryce Elder. Yeah. Yeah. It's my bad. Um, And also, Aaron Nola didn't have a great game. Like, I, I, yeah, giving up two runs isn't horrible. What? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I I think the nine strikeouts is great, but then again, the Braves have been swinging at everything in all three games. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I, it's just like, um, the the Braves' offense and you know ability to put up runs has just kind of gone away in it's this just, series it's against the end of the order. The end of the order has been so fucking bad. That's what made us so good all year was that we had the guys like Rosario and Arcia and Harris at least getting on base. Michael Harris doesn't have a hit in three games. Mm. Eddie Eddie Rosario I think has one. Like that just can't happen. No. Um, I, I mean, you kind of you kind of covered it. I don't re- really know if I have much else to say other than, honestly, the comments that were um, you know made in the commentary. But um, it, I, all I'm going to say is like, it, if there is a team that can come back, it's the Atlanta Braves. You you yeah. can't ever. This Braves team is way too talented to count out. Um, but it, it's not like it's not going to be hard. I mean, this Phillies team looks amazing. Definitely. So it's it's going to be tough, but I, I honestly might watch the game tonight instead of fucking shitty-ass Thursday night football just to watch oh. Patrick Mahomes shit on Russell Wilson. You fucking know I'm going to be watching this one. I don't give a <laughs> I'm gonna shit. I'm going to be texting the whole time. I, we, I, can, <laughs> we can talk in Discord. Yeah? Fuck it. Oh, boy. But... Let's talk. Um, actually, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say this so that uh, hopefully luck is on my side. The Philadelphia Phillies, congrats. Please, please, please. <laughs> please. Are you, how sad are you going to be if Atlanta loses tonight? Honestly, how sad are you going to be? Um, it depends on in what fashion. If they just beat the shit out of us, I'll probably be less sad than if we lose in a close game. Okay. I mean, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Like if Spencer Strider just looks like shit and we get shit on. I I can't say like that we got beat because we just lost. If, yeah. If the Phillies do what they did, like if they truly win a hard fought down to the bottom of the ninth type game, they can have it. Yeah, I'm Oh, man, Spencer Strider at Citizens Bank Park in the postseason, man. The story is written. Just, like, I'm knocking on wood. I'm not trying to jinx your team at all. Imagine if Spencer Strider has, like, a Nathan Eovaldi performance tonight. Better at, hope at, the bats in wake Red up. October. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think really the the Braves just need to try to do a better job of hitting home runs. That that seems to be yeah. the way that teams are getting victories in the postseason this year. So the Braves need to try to do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we won on fucking Monday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But, Astros Twins we, game four. Talk about, okay. yeah. I, I'm glad that we're yeah. talking. So the Astros advance after a three two win over the Twins. Uh, now their seventh consecutive trip to the ALCS. Yeah, um, I want to. Com- I mean, I want to give know, the Twins their flowers. They played a great series. They they won a game. Yeah, and with Made the exception of Game Three, close games. Yeah, big time. And like the Twins came out looking pretty good. They put up one on the board in the bottom of the first, and then Houston, of course, quickly answers back in the top of the second. But they tried to stay in this. They they certainly weren't out of it at really any point in this game. They looked good. Yeah, I uh, I loved Verlander's uh, speech in the locker yes. room. So after, I have uh, the they... whole thing transcribed. That's what I was doing oh before my God. we started. Perfect. Um, Perfect. So yeah, I'll just go ahead and do it. So Dusty Baker was about to do the speech and then asked if anybody wanted to do it. And then somebody pointed at Verlander. Dusty told Verlander to do it because Dusty said, I'll do the one after the World Series. Like the confidence. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Verlander gave <laughs> one of the most uh, not safe for work, but fantastic speeches I've heard in the locker room. Um, yeah. So, yeah, here's the whole thing. Expletives and all. All right. Shit. Boys, this is one of those seasons. Nothing went our fucking way early. We battled through injuries. We fucking grinded. I wasn't even fucking here. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> It's the seventh fucking time. Seventh fucking time. Don't take that for granted. Uh, pop your bottles on seven. Yeah. I would like to say, for the record, they were popping the bottles before seven. Yes. But it really got going at seven. Yeah, it got going at seven. But that, like... I don't know. Have you, you ever popped like, a champagne bottle? Because it's very hard to stop. Um. No. Well, you're 21. You can go to the, you go to the gas station. You can buy a cheap bottle of champagne and see how difficult it is to stop that thing from going. I've always wanted to do it with a sword. Oh, like sabering one. Yeah, yeah. that is cool. Of course, I do it with a uh, sparkling grape juice. Yeah, Capri Sun. But yeah, look, the Astros are just good, man. There's no nothing about them. That I'm like, eh, they're probably not going to win. They're just going to. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it goes back to it. Like, um, I just, I don't even understand why they had to bang on trash cans in the first place. They were, they're a good team then. Yeah. And they still are. Uh, boy. Definitely. Even Ryan Presley, man. Like, in this oh, last man. game, he just. He literally yeah. closed the door. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Like, uh, what, a couple days ago, he recorded, like, he's now, I think, fifth all-time in postseason saves, and he gets another one in this game. Like, he's always been a shutdown closer for them, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. Is Rivera first? Uh, Probably. I don't even know. 
I'm actually kind of interested to see like the top Pull five. For now. Yes, he does. Uh, he's got forty-two. So yeah, Rivera. Does he really have forty-two? Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. So I don't know if this is updated. But it says, yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. Presley has 13 saves. Um, Dennis Eckersley has 15. Brad Lidge has 18. Kenley Jansen has 20. And then Mariona Rivera has 42. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, nobody's close. <laughs> Damn. Crazy. Araldus has 10. Hmm. Yeah. Shout out Mark Wollers. Braves has nine. Nice. All right. Enough of that. Um, anything else from this game or series, really? No, I just um, it, it was cool that the Twins, you know, at least got a win against the Astros. I was pulling for them, man. Yeah. I, I really wanted to see them sit here. Yeah, I like watching but, that team play. They're good. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be much Which better is, next I, year. I feel like a, I want you to speak on, you know, I want you to speak on how you felt about the Twins going into the season and how you feel about the Twins now because it's very different. I oh, know that yeah. you were not definitely on the Twins at all. So yeah, I, I, I kind of want to get your before the season started. Like I knew they would have some decent pitching, and I just I knew the bats weren't there, and that's kind of it. it did start that way. It started very, yeah. very much that way. Like, they had a couple guys that were hot, but I knew Buxton was going to be in and out, which he was. Uh, you know, Joey Gallo was on this team, which, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but throughout the season, the guys they brought up, that really changed my mind on them. Royce Lewis was, of course, ridiculously good, and a number of other guys that came up with that team looked great. But... I think coming into the season, I just wasn't, I wasn't confident that a lineup like this would be better than the Guardians. But the Guardians took a significant step back, and it really hurt them. So, you know the, I and like with how bad this offense was throughout the season, I just thought they had no chance even going into the playoffs. So yeah, the fact they were able to, you know win those two games against Toronto and then come in and look competitive against the Astros is very good. It's a testament to their starting pitching for sure. They're great bullpen and but also they're good young players on top of the the veterans guys or veteran guys they have. Like Carlos Correa was great. Yeah. Jorge Polanco, Ryan Jeffers, Donovan Solano, guys that have been around for a while, but then you throw in Royce Lewis in there and Matt Walner was pretty good in this series. Guys like that make a big difference. And um, Edouard Julien is awesome. Love watching him play. He's great. Yeah. But just overall, like, they definitely caught me by surprise. So I, I think great work for them, and I, I hope they could just continue to get better. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's talk about the fucking ass-whooping. The Diamondbacks just complete their domination. And sweep the Los Angeles Angels in three games. Just fucking brutal. 
the Dodgers scored four runs in this series, and the Diamondbacks hit four solo home runs in one inning. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the um, first team to ever do that. Carlo, uh, Corbin Carroll has to be maybe the best hitter in this postseason, you think? Definitely one of. I, Definitely I think I think Corey Seager's probably got him beat. Um, Bryce Harper, probably up there. Um, that is true. Maybe even the Evan Carter kid. Yeah, Evan Carter looked really good. But Corbin Carroll's uh, but, certainly been huge for this team. Didn't have as big of an impact here in Game 3, but the, the pitching was, was pretty solid. And the way that they beat up on Lance Lynn, anything would have worked. Um, but Brandon uh, yeah, Fatt came murdered. out, kind of redeemed himself after a tough start in the uh, Game 1 against the Brewers. He looked good. Though he only went 4.1, they took him out because he had a couple of guys on base but didn't give up a run, had two strikeouts, and then Joe Mantiply came in, kind of just shut it down. Uh, Thompson kind of struggled, but then you know the rest of the bullpen held it down, and Paul Saywald looked great again um, for this team. So their pitching looks great going into whoever they play in this next series, probably Philadelphia. Um. But yeah, I, I I love this lineup. What it offers, like the you know game two was way different than what I thought we would see. I didn't think we'd see that big of a SmackDown. Kind of the same with game one. Didn't expect that either. Yeah. But yep. it's just like Lance Lynn fucking sucked. <laughs> it doesn't help. Obviously, it doesn't help that Bobby Miller sucked the night or you know the game before, and Kershaw was worse the time before that. But like, shit, you go into this game and your team just has no confidence. Like, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman in this series were a combined one for 21. And that one of them was an infield hit. Yeah. I think it was the only single. It, yeah. They, that, was a, that was a stat that I had, but I ended up losing it. They were horrible. Yeah. I, they were terrible the but entire time. And I think Mookie reached on an error. That was the only time he was on base or something crazy like yeah. that. Yeah, he reached it's on ridiculous. an error. Um, and the Dodgers starting pitching ERA in this series, uh, a beautiful 25.07. Um, yeah, that's a good way to lose games. <laughs> but one thing brought me a lot of enjoyment outside of the Dodgers, you know, getting knocked out. Uh, my good friend, Bill Platschke, who I fucking despise, and his beloved Dodgers, he, of course, had to write an article about them. Um pretty much just shitting on this team that he was sucking the dick of for months on end. Um, oh, yeah, for the second consecutive year and the third time in five years, the Dodgers lost in the first playoff round despite winning 100 games in the regular season. <laughs> it's just, it, it makes me feel good to read this. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> just so much. So much hate. It's fantastic. Yeah. Make, watching him turn. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, this is a good line. I will never. So he was talking about um, some Diamondbacks columnist that uh, said something about how the Dodgers suck. 
And he said, I will never, ever, 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 ever write that about the Dodgers again. Oh, yeah. That columnist was Bill Platchy that wrote about how the Dodgers suck. Um, that was him. Um, just <laughs> like if I if I saw his face while he wrote this, that he's probably written for multiple years. Year after year, he's probably written the same thing and just kind of filled in the details. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy. And he's like, well, obviously, this is a great quote. Obviously, you couldn't predict Julio Urias's legal troubles or the armed troubles of Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin. They're still a good-ass team. <laughs> yeah. Get over yourself. Sorry, you pitched <laughs> one of the best pitchers of the— like a top three pitcher, top two pitcher of our generation. Game one. Game two. You pitched a very good young pitcher that has looked great this season. And then you pitched a guy who has been one of the most sought after pitchers in the last five, six years in the MLB, in Lance Lynn. And you have the audacity to fucking complain about what you have. It's crazy. I don't get it. Yeah. The Dodgers, honestly, like, I, I would say in, in the past five years, they, uh, along with the Astros, they've been one of the more fortunately consistent teams in the MLB. In the regular season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Really, like, yeah, in the regular season, like you really, as a Dodgers fan, you're, you've been a contender for a pretty decent amount of time now. Not a lot of teams can say that. True. Here's another, sorry, this is another great quote I just uh, wandered upon. Uh, Last winter, the Dodgers stayed out of the free agent market, reportedly to save money for this winter's chase for Shohei Otani. Huge mistake. Season-altering mistake. I can't wait for them to get Shohei Otani and then him fucking complain about it. Yeah. (laughs) They could have outbid the Mets for Justin Verlander, but didn't. Nathan Eovaldi was available. Chris Bassett was available. Arms were out there. The Dodgers didn't grab one unless you count Noah Syndergaard, and you shouldn't. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) This guy is such a fucking loser. (laughs) Wow. Oh, and then you know how he was like, you couldn't predict Julio Urias' stuff? And then he says... And don't try to shift the blame to the loss of Urias because he wasn't pitching that well anyway. This guy's a fucking... All over the place. Scum. Mm. Yeah. Uh, th- okay, I- I'm going to give him some credit for this final the final two lines. That's great. Uh, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and expecting a different result. This is insane. I like that. That's good. (laughs) That is good. This guy went to college. You could tell. Yep. Too bad he's a fucking idiot. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't have much else to say about the Dodgers. They just suck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, tonight is uh, is game four to, to see who the Diamondbacks will play. Ranger Suarez versus Spencer Strider. Um, I don't have to tell you all to tune in because it already happened. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm sure the Phillies are going to win. That's how I'm feeling right now. Honest, like an earnest feeling we're going to lose. It sucks. 
I hate hearing that. I also I also don't want to have to watch another game at work. Actually, wait. It's on Saturday, and I'm I'm opening this Saturday, so we're we're good. If we win, if yeah, we win. Tonight. If you win, if if the baseball I'm gods are listening, I said if. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, man. well let's let's do a little preview on the ALCS. Um, actually, well, yeah. After this, I, I have something I okay. want to bring up. Go ahead. Yep. Oh no! After this, oh okay, it's baseball news, but after. Okay, so Rangers, yep. Astros in the ALCS, a Hall of Fame manager matchup: Dusty Baker versus Bruce right. Bochy. They've managed a total combined fifty-one seasons, four thousand two hundred and seventy-six regular season wins, a hundred and one postseason wins. And there's four World Series titles between the two of them. Yeah, I mean that's um that's a decent track record, I guess. Yeah, you could say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, like Bruce Bochy, like was obviously in his World Series winning prime with the Giants, but was always a great manager. And Dusty Baker is, of course, a legend, the inventor of the high five. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, um... Wait, no, are you actually being serious right now? Yeah, you can look it up. Literally what? look up who invented the high five. I, I, will, I will look it up for you. I got it. Dusty Baker and Glenn Burke of the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball team on October 2nd, 1977. Oh my god, my life just became unraveled. Yeah. This is like this is a cult like a world changing. Yeah. Like everybody high fives. Exactly. If that doesn't put I'm you in surprised. the baseball hall of fame, I don't know what does. I that's like, yeah, a lot I hope there was no steroids involved in that high five. Or, or baseball <laughs> will murder you the rest yeah. of your career. Yeah, the baseball um, writers association would hate you. 1977 people weren't high-fiving before that nah dang that's that's honestly insane i never knew that yeah it was all handshakes they were all dapping up before that (laughs) yeah wow that's funny i love that yeah it's awesome um but like the pitching matchups in this series are going to be great like we'll probably get an eovaldi verlander matchup We'll probably get Jordan Montgomery versus Framber Valdez or Christian Javier, either one. Or no, Framber's out, so it will be uh, Christian Javier and Jordan Montgomery as well. Like some fantastic pitching matchups to look forward to in this series. Yeah, big time. And then of course, huge bats. You got Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and Adolis Garcia if he starts turning it around and. Evan Carter. Yeah, Evan Carter. <laughs> Everybody on this Rangers team. And then you also have Jose Altuve and Bregman and Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez. Like all these guys that have proven it plenty of times. Most of them seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they, they've got something going on. So we'll uh we'll have to see, but I got a feeling this is gonna be a good ass series. Even if like one of the teams sweeps, it's going to be a good series. 
Yeah, I would love it to see to finally see like a game seven. You know, I feel like uh, we've just seen a lot of like sweeps in the postseason so far. Not really a lot of teams like winning. You know, a game except for the Twins. Like, I, I just I, I really want the ALCS to kind of make up and the uh, the NLCS to make up for kind of like the wild card. I guess would be a good way to put it. Yeah. Um. But, you know, looking at it now, Verlander is set to pitch on October 15th, which will be game one. Uh, the Rangers do not have a pitcher yet. So, Got it. damn, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait either. And um, what's, your, what's your thing you wanted to bring up? Um, so Trevor Bauer recently was, um, you know, pretty much cleared that that uh, girl yeah. was a piece of yeah, shit. for the most part. Um, for the most part, yeah. Do you think like he'll come back to the MLB? And if so, like, I, I mean, I, what I guess like what does his future look like? Um, I don't know. Cause the thing is, it's like even before this whole situation, nobody wanted to be his teammate. Uh, yeah. But I think he deserves a little respect now. You know, if if that was the situation that was stopping you from wanting to play with him, then I I think you can feel better about it. But it doesn't stop the fact that people didn't like him already. Yeah. So, you know, an organization, yeah, maybe they're in the clear. But I I think if anything, if he comes back to the MLB, it's going to hurt the journalists. 10 times more than it hurts anybody associated with the team. Because all these journalists fucking ripped him to shreds over that situation. When no proof was out there, as soon as it was alleged, they tore him up. And now all this comes out, and nobody has a word to say. You don't see Jeff Passan, you don't see Buster Olney, you don't see any of these guys being like, look at this, Trevor Bauer just laid out all the proof that was settled legally. He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Nobody had anything to say about that. So, yeah, I I think it's, honestly, the MOB is, is... as uh, as run by the media as I believe it to be, he won't play baseball in the MLB still. You know, keeping up with his vlogs, I'm kind of okay with that. I, I, I'm I a Japanese baseball league fan now. Yeah. I, I am. I am. Guy. A, yeah. They are. Um, I love a, so a couple of fun. guys that play over there are fun as fuck to watch. Yeah, I hope that Yankee. I hope the dude that the Yankees want comes over. Yamamoto. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, that guy's ridiculous. But um, same for like. I mean, Trevor Bauer. Oh, sorry. I just he's... I just wanted to name some dudes. Oh, like, go uh, name some guys. Munitaka. Um, fuck. Munitaka something. He's a third baseman. Murakami. Munitaka Murakami is awesome. Roki Sasaki is yep. awesome. Yeah, it's about the extent of my guys, my dudes. <laughs> I don't know that <laughs> but, many. Uh, it's um, it's not like Trevor Bauer couldn't come back to the MLB as far as like skill level. He, yeah. I mean, he's tearing it up over there too. Really good oh, yeah. in Je- in Japan. 
but I, I just want to get your thoughts on it. I, I'm, I've been kind of wondering the same thing myself. Like, I, I really don't even know where his head's at. Um, Cause I mean, the, you, if you're Trevor Bauer, you gotta be upset with, you know, how really the whole league treated you. Yeah. When, when it was all yeah. just allegations at first. So maybe he doesn't even want to come back, but then again, he's an American, you know, national or nationality. I'm sure he, you know, didn't plan on moving to Japan. So maybe he would be eager to come back, but I, I really don't know. I, I have no clue what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I really don't know how it pans out. But, you know, if he wants to come back to the MLB, I hope that they will actually welcome him in. Yeah. Because he, he has earned his way back, Yeah, I'd say. All right. For sure. I think that's going to do it for the MLB. Let's do a little bit of a check-in on the Premier League. Um. Obviously, international break this weekend, so not much to really talk about. Not really any good matchups in the international play either. Um, so we're just going to start at the bottom of the table and just talk about teams. Climb up. All right. Sheffield United, bottom of the table. No wins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they suck, dude. Um, they do have a draw. Yeah, they got one point. That's One. something. It was against Everton, who's we're going to be talking about pretty quickly. Um, just <laughs> Sheffield fucking sucks, dude. They give up so many goals. Yeah, they do. They have given <laughs> I, up I really 22 like... goals, and they have scored six. Well, also, you know, you can throw in the fact that your Toon squad absolutely just, like, dumpstered their entire team. Yeah, we kind of fucked so. them over. On goal differential, <laughs> putting eight up. Yeah. On. Whew. Damn. Horrible. I mean, yeah. and then Bournemouth is kind of in the same boat, just a little less worse. <laughs> yeah, they've drawn three games, so they do have three points, but don't be fooled. They haven't won. Um, yep. And they're coming off three straight losses to uh, Brighton, Arsenal, and Everton. Everton actually winning games all of a sudden. But, Only two. Yeah. Yeah. Which is better than anybody behind them. I'll yeah. It's actually uh, better than the team ahead of them. But, yeah, Bournemouth sucks. <laughs> Burnley, right there in the same boat. They have won a game and drawn one. They're still not good. Nah, and I mean, they're coming the, off of that thrashing by Chelsea yeah, as well. Yeah, in, the, in the game they won was over Luton Town, who was right ahead of them with the same amount of points. Burnley just has a worse goal differential. Yeah, sad sad, uh, sad goings for uh, Vincent Company and J.J. Watt, a, a, a team that we would never, or a combination we'd never even, you know, think about. No, not at all. I saw J.J. Watt wearing a Burnley hat in a podcast, and I was like, it took me a second. I was like, wait, what? What, what is he doing with that hat on? <laughs> and then I was like, oh shit, yeah, he's yeah. a part owner. Yes. Um, <laughs> Damn. All right. Yeah, Luton Town. They got to win against Everton. <laughs> and they're not in relegation zone. Correct. As of now, they're just outside. Yes, their goal differential is holding them above water but yeah it's not looking good no not at all it's still not looking good for everton though they're three points clear of the relegation zone 
uh, after their win over Bournemouth and their other win over Brentford, which was a bit of a surprise, but Brentford also sucks. Um, Everton surprisingly just, yeah, Everton's just not. They don't have a goal scoring ability. No, no, like, we. I mean, we have really seen. I feel like in our lifetimes, especially like the downfall of Everton. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they used to have some really good talent on their Definitely. team back in the day, but not anymore. Yeah, they suck. Uh, Brentford sucks as well because they lost to Everton. Um, yeah. <laughs> Brentford has drawn four times, and it's all been with yeah. teams at the top, at the bottom of the table <laughs> for the most part. Like, yeah. They drew with uh, Nottingham Forest, who is not far ahead of them. And Bournemouth, who's quite far behind them. And um, just overall bad. Just a bad team right now. Not a team that I thought would be this bad. Yeah, me too. I think, you know, both of us going, well, they finished last season pretty decently. Yeah. And uh, I kind of expected them to uphold it. You know, maybe not really necessarily do better or worse, but they've been worse this season. And that's definitely surprised me. Definitely, and then Wolves just started selling. Yes, their last three results have been great. Certainly turned things around because they sold off everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Like, out of nowhere. They just sold everybody this summer, and some impressive, you know, results. Yeah, they drew Luton Town, but you beat fucking Manchester City. How? How? And then you you draw with Aston Villa, who's also been super good. How? Again. <laughs> yeah, I think Crazy. honestly, like, you know, going back, I, we're, we're going to climb back down the ladder here for a second. I would love to see Everton get relegated instead of Burnley. You can, Sheffield United and Bournemouth and Everton can fuck off, but I don't want to see Burnley get relegated. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't I think want it's, Luton it's, Town to get relegated. I, I think when it comes down to it, they probably will. Ah, I don't know. It was, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Um, Nottingham Forest, and it's yeah. kind of been more of a more of the same thing for them. Um, I mean, they, they had a, a – what was it? Was it their January transfer window that we covered that was just really impressive yeah. from them? They made a bunch of key um, moves, but a lot of them were loans. Um, yeah. And then they also had a decent amount of guys leave. Um, notably, uh, what's his what's his name? Johnson, the the Welsh guy. Didn't he leave? In Spurs. I don't know. Brendan Johnson. Soccer knowledge is failing me here. Yeah, you're supposed to be the guy that keeps me in check. I know. Brennan Johnson is that his name? Brennan sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He left uh, with the Spurs. That certainly hurt them. Um, but, like, they're, you know, their last five, they're getting points. Like, they're drawing matches, which I guess is nice. But, like, oh, and they they did beat Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really <laughs> their They're one game, I feel like, that they've just kind of uh, shown out in. Other, other than that, it's been kind of just meh. For yeah. them going. I think they've won a one other match this season, I believe. 
Yeah. Something like that. And then, yeah, they you know, Sheffield uh, above United, them, you have, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sheffield United, who, who's not winning against Sheffield United. And then you have a, um, you know, 12th place Fulham team that I feel like it's safe to say you and I probably expected them to do better than what, what it's been this season. Yeah, it just seems like there isn't much going on there. They're not scoring enough goals right now. Like they've given up 13, which, you know, considering some other teams even ahead of them in the table, isn't that bad. But yeah, if you've only scored eight goals, it's pretty hard to get up high on the table. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they they brought in guys like Raul Jimenez, an, another player from um, Wolves that they shipped off with Adama Traore. Um, yeah. They still have Willian, who's proven, you know, that he's aging like fine wine. Um, I mean, they have some guys on this team that are very decent, and, and guys that I would say that um, should have this team higher on the table, playing yeah. better. I think to me, like with Fulham, they're gonna they're probably gonna lose to the good teams, but if they can just continue to win against the bad ones, which is what they've been doing, they'll be fine. Like they're not going to get relegated this season. I don't I don't I think that's out of the cards, but they'll probably finish somewhere in this twelve to fourteen area. Yeah. Yep. Because there's not enough bad teams this season to feast on. Yeah, which I mean I guess if you want to talk about Fulham's recent history, twelve to thirteenth isn't necessarily a bad finish for them. That's yeah. still keeps you in the Premier League, and it still keeps you, you know, I feel like your head is above water at that point if you're Fulham. Exactly. Um, all right. Will you get to your Chelsea a little earlier than you'd probably like? <laughs> yeah. Sure. But you know what? I'm I'm, uh, I'm in it for this rebuild, man. Uh, Chelsea have won their last three games, two of them being clean sheets. Um, in their last three, they've only given up one goal, and that was to Burnley on Saturday, uh, last Saturday. I am so mad. I, this international break could not have come at a worse time for Chelsea. Tell me about Finally, it. Finally, some pace. And, and, yeah, like with your team, Newcastle as well, which they'll get, we'll get to them, you know, not shortly after Chelsea, by God. But <laughs> uh, pretty close. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty close. Um, Chelsea have Arsenal in their next game, and I, I could not be more excited for this game. Like, I, I don't know if I'm jumping on a bandwagon that I shouldn't jump on, and that's that Chelsea are back. But I really feel like this Chelsea team is coming in with some heat uh, in this Arsenal game, despite the international break. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. They've got a chance. We'll, we'll, it'll definitely be a match we talk about next Friday. I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it hadn't looked too bad for Chelsea. And then the, the team above them in 10th, Manchester United, yeah. there is everything the is going The biggest disappointment wrong. in think, the Prem this season. Yeah, they, and I think it honestly, looking at it now, I didn't even realize that they haven't tied in the Premier League yet. Yeah. Maybe instead of losing, you should at least try to tie. Yeah, well, take that up with Andre <laughs> Onana, the worst signing of the summer. Yeah. 100% um, the worst signing of the summer. God, Andre Onana is making me look so bad. Me too. Like we've talked about this. Like he is making us look like idiots. Because I was like, if Ten Hag knows what he's doing, he's got to sign Andre Onana. (laughs) And it's proven that Ten Hag not only does not know what he's doing, but Andre Onana is not who they should have gotten. They probably should have kept De Gea. Definitely should have kept De Gea. And I mean. 
you are coming off of just horrible games, like a, only a 2-1 win over Brentford. The game before that was your yeah. loss at Old Trafford to Galatasaray, giving Galatasaray their first win on English soil in their billion-year history. And then before that, you lost 1-0 to Crystal Palace, couldn't even score. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're, they're finished. I, I could definitely see Chelsea having a much better season than Manchester United at this point. Yeah, Man U is going to take some structural changes to be good. Yeah. Whereas Chelsea, I think, just needs some time. Chelsea needs a little bit of time. I Yeah. I think I think the January transfer window, if they're active in it, is going to be telling uh, of where they're at. If they're active in it, that means Ten Hogs on the hot seat. If they're not active, Ten Hogs probably already been fired. Yeah. Because yep. Manchester, there, look, there is there is very much a, uh, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, an expectation at, at Manchester United winning, though it's been highly unsuccessful since Sir Alex Ferguson, which might I remind you was quite a while ago now. Yeah, damn, like getting older. <laughs> who's the last successful manager at Manchester United? Mourinho won a Europa League. The uh, it's not is great. Right. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. You know. You know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make a hot take here, Grayson. So buckle up. Okay. The first thing that Manchester United needs to do in January: sell Bruno Fernandez. Okay. Why? He's a, he's a cancer. There, there is not a – I have never seen a worse captain in my lifetime. And, and you brought up structural changes. Bruno is fantastic sometimes. Yeah. And, and I, you know, actually most of the time I'll say he's fantastic. He does not need to be your captain, and I don't even think he needs to be on the team anymore. Plus, selling Bruno would give you a, a shit ton of money. I mean, Bruno would go for a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I feel like you sell Bruno, kind of play out the rest of the season – and in the summer, go crazy. I don't probably know fire if, ten hogs. I don't know if Bruno would bring in enough money that it'd be worth to sell him. Yeah, I mean, I think at, at this rich. point in his career, like he's not a young player anymore. And he, yes, he does. There is things that he does that are exceptional and that make him a world class midfielder. There's too many things that he does not do well that take away a lot of his value. I think Man U could only sell him for max $50 million. Oh, I don't know. Players are going for a lot in this market, man. I know, but old players aren't. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think we're looking at, like, at least 70, at least. Well, it depends. Is he going to Saudi Arabia? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. They, I mean, they would definitely, if, if yeah, <laughs> if, if he hit the, if he hit the transfer market, uh, Saudi would definitely oh, yeah. be contact. He would be slotting in passes to Ronaldo and Saudi Omane right now. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, so I pulled up all the managers, um, They've managed Manchester United since Sir Alex Ferguson's domination of world of the world, honestly. Um, yeah. <laughs> David Moyes, 
who lasted a season. Not even a full season because he got fired in April and then uh, Ryan Giggs was the interim coach for a month. Obviously, that didn't do anything. Uh, Louis Van Gaal, who lasted two years. That's not bad. Um, they won the FA Cup, and that's it. Uh, Jose Mourinho, pretty solid. One Europa League, one League Cup, and one Community Shield. Not bad. And then you had yep. Ole. So this is just from 2018 to now. Ole was there for a couple of years, won jack shit. Uh, Michael Carrick was the interim head coach. And then Ralph Rag- Rangnick was the interim head coach again after Carrick. And then Eric Ten Hag is still there. And Ten Hag has won yep. one league cup. And I believe it was the yep. Carabao. Uh, over Newcastle. Yeah. Yep. They not, suck not at picking you. managers. Yeah. Because think about the the other guys that have looked that have taken jobs in this time. Like in the yeah. time, even since last year when they hired Ten Hog in May, the guys that have have like gotten jobs in this time, it's ridiculous. Yeah. No, you're right. And I mean, even uh, you can kind of, I guess, like maybe look at Chelsea as an example. Um, we we have really not been able to keep a manager either, but all of our managers have have won something. Um, like if, if we want to talk about it, since, since Jose Mourinho, um, Okay, hang on. Wikipedia's kind of got this all weird. So, in 2012, Roberto Di Matteo took over for uh, Andre Villas-Boas, who got fired mid-season. Roberto Di Matteo won the FA Cup and the Champions League. Lost his job the very next season to Rafael Benitez, who won the Europa League in 2013. Yeah. Um, after Benitez, you have Jose Mourinho's second tenure. He won the Premier League, um, and the Football League Cup, whatever that is. Uh, after Mourinho, had, you had Antonio Conte, who, like, revolutionized Chelsea's tactics, and don't oh, even wait, get me started on the Football League Cup the Conte. EFL Cup or whatever? Is that what that is? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it is. Um, Antonio Conte took over in 2016, my least favorite Chelsea manager in recent history. Yeah, I can't sucks. stand that Italian bastard. Um, Premier League. FA Cup, but, I mean, he was successful anyway. Maurizio Sarri won a Europa League. Eden Hazard's last game, the 2019 Europa League in Baku. And then Thomas Tuchel came over, won a lot, and then got fired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for what? Yeah, I mean, Speaking we've had mind? Was that, <laughs> was that the reason for firing him? I, I don't know, man. But, anyway... Um. Yeah, like I feel like Chelsea have been in a similar managerial position as Manchester United, but we've still been able to somehow pick winners. Yeah, that haven't stuck around for a while. So, yeah. who knows. Yeah, I think it's knows, just but. interesting. But uh, we were talking about one of Manchester United's recent losses. Um, Crystal Palace has been great, though they have the same amount of points as Manchester United. They're better than Man U. 
Yeah. Crystal Palace sure. in their last five. Drew with Nottingham Forest, which isn't great, but the win over Man U, a draw with Fulham, which once again isn't great, but you lost to Villa. Villa's great, man. You win over Wolves. They're beating and, and drawing the teams they should. That's going to get them yeah. points. Maybe they don't finish as high as nine, but they're definitely not going to be like fighting for their spot this year. Unlike most yeah. years in the past. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, yeah, they definitely, they, they've had a very big cultural turnaround yes. from, you know, kind of like, I guess, our lifetime of watching soccer. I mean, they've been, they've been a Premier League team, but now they're a Premier League team, I feel like. Yeah, they so. used to be very up and down. They were the kind of team that you saw. They came up. Maybe they lasted a season. Then they went back down because they sold a player that was helping them out. That was just yep. their cycle. And now they've stayed in it a couple of years. And it seems like the youth development has gone insanely well over the past couple of years. Yep. And they're utilizing it well as well. Oh, yeah. As like well the, as well. The, guy, <laughs> the guys they have, like Sam Johnstone, leads the, the Premier League in clean sheets right now. Crazy. Mm. And, you know, the, just the, the random guys on this team that have been great. The guys that yeah. most of us hadn't heard of prior. Like, Elise hasn't played any games yet this season. Um, but Eberechi Eze has been great. He hasn't really, yeah. like, you don't see it in the goals and assists for a lot of their players that have been making an impact. But, like, adding in Jordan Ayew, he's been pretty solid. Um, Eduard has been fantastic. Four goals for him. Like a bunch of guys that don't get talked about. You don't pay a lot for them on the transfer market, but they just play well. That's what this team is built up of, and it's a lot of great young players, and that's what I love. Yeah. Shout out Crystal Palace. Yeah, they've been great. Um, all right, now we get to my guys. The Magpies yeah. sit at eight right now, but on our best form of the season, undoubtedly. Um, yeah. Just in the Prem, in our last five, yes, we had the loss to Brighton, but we beat Brentford. We fucking beat the shit out of Sheffield. Um, and then we beat Burnley, and then a draw with West Ham, which I'll take. It was bad. We should have won that fucking match, but I'll take the draw. Um. Nonetheless, Newcastle's been great. And the fact that they're doing pretty well in the Prem now while balancing it with the Champions League makes me way more confident in this team than I was going into the season. Because I yes. was afraid that we either weren't going to try hard enough in the Champions League and try too hard in the Prem or vice versa and it would just throw things off. I am 100% fine if we just make the knockout stages in this insanely difficult group. If we just make it to the knockout stage, I am satisfied with what we did in the Champions League. That way, we're out of the tournament around, you know, the the turn of the season into 2024's half and we get right into just kind of heating it up in the prem. Bring it all back, yeah. all the focus is there whatever sure you'll be playing in domestic cup matches if you're still in it um but 
I, I think I'm fine with eighth right now because there are teams ahead of us that I am confident will hit some skids. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I mean, y- y'all have a lot of, uh, y'all can thank Alexander Isak, especially yeah. he, he's been that, that been great. young Swede is tearing it up. Yeah. He's a great strike. Yeah. He's great. And Anthony Gordon. Oh man. Anthony I love Gordon, him so of, much, dude. He is one of my favorite non-Chelsea players easily. This guy is so much fun. Yeah, him and Harvey so Barnes fun. are amazing to watch. Yep. It's awesome. Exactly. Um, but one of the teams that I think might take a skid is West Ham. There's just something about how many goals they give up that makes me fear that injury will kill this team. Literally, yeah, one injury to their attack, and I think that team's season's dead. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even even despite that really talented midfield, um, one injury to their offense is they're they're yeah. screwed. And the way that the top table teams have kind of exposed them, like you know, back to back weeks, it's tough. But both three three one losses to Liverpool and Manchester City kind of shows you where this team could be with against middle of the table opponents. Like yeah, they yeah. they drew with Newcastle, whatever. They beat Sheffield, and their last win before that was Luton Town, and it's like, okay, you probably shouldn't have given up a goal to Luton Town, um, but it just seems like something's off with like West Ham. Like their defense is so fucking bad. That's kind of the end think, um... for me. West Ham is in a position, though, um, they could potentially have a big January transfer window, I think. Um, I mean, yeah, like they've they've spent spent a lot of money. I was about to say they have spent a lot of money in the summer. um, But on on top of that, you know, I I guess maybe it's this trope that I have that all Premier League teams have just ridiculous amounts to to spend, which they do. Yeah. But... um, who knows? I mean, what if West Ham gets like a, a a affordable striker and an affordable center back that just like take off for this team? Yeah. We could be looking at a very different West Ham if, if that happens. Um, of Definitely. course, I don't know if it will, but um, y- you know, like yeah, I, I think they're a very vulnerable team. But come January transfer window, they can do some things to to really um, end that vulnerability. I think. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I I think for me like this team has the tools to play well and they have good defenders as well. They just yep. aren't putting it together. Like Aguerd has been great, strong physical player. I like how like angry he is on defense. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have one of the crazy fuckers. Yeah, and like Kufal and Emerson have been great. Kurt Zuma is just not good. Yeah. He isn't. That was, that was one of my babies at Chelsea. And Angelo Agbana isn't much better. So Yeah, far. he's he's old. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just think they kind of fall behind there. And they have so much talent in the midfield, which is great. But 
I have a feeling in January somebody is getting swooped up. Probably Paqueta. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, okay, they just brought in Alvarez and Ward-Prowse, and then you also have Kudus on the wing. Obviously, those guys aren't going anywhere, but they take up space, and they've all proved that they should be playing. I'll give them that. Um, You know, Edson Alvarez hasn't really put much on the stat sheet, but he's played consistent uh, in his seven appearances. Obviously, Paqueta and Susek have been the two best, but it seems like Paqueta would be the type of player that gets swooped up. We already know Man City was showing interest. So we'll have to see. Um, I'm gonna be. I'm. I'm interested to see what the January transfer window looks like in the scheme of Saudi Arabia's moves. Because they had such a big summer, are they gonna do it again in January? That'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Obviously, it I, won't I be on this at the same magnitude because that's just not how things go. But we haven't seen it like this. We don't know. Not none of this is precedented. There's no principle yeah. behind what Saudi Arabia has done. We don't know what that no. transfer window looks like. We don't know how many teams just get depleted again in January. Yeah, exactly. Um, but let's let's move on from West Ham and talk about Brighton, who's another team that just gives up a lot of goals, but they're the best at scoring them. Yeah, they've kind of hit a roadblock recently too. Yes. They're they're not looking as good as they once were. Yeah, Villa absolutely exposed them two weeks ago, and Liverpool played pretty well against them last week. But that Villa game seemed a little bit telling to me. Like, yes, they were on fantastic form, and they've been beaten up on teams for sure. Villa looked amazing. Against you're exactly right. Such a good Brighton team. Villa Villa brought a lot of problems to the um to the top top level of the water. They they yeah. um kind of exposed, I think, maybe the blueprint to figuring out Brighton. Um, and honestly, like, I I know it's only been kind of two bad games for Brighton, and maybe three if you want to count the Chelsea loss and the uh, the um, League Cup as well, but. I could see Brighton dropping a lot of points by the time this season's done. Maybe more so than West Ham. I think West Ham have a better chance than Brighton. Maybe. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Brighton won't finish. I, I think uh, I'll go as far as to say they'll be outside of the top eight. Uh, yeah, I think so. Maybe they sneak in at eight, but they certainly don't stay up, you know, at six. Um and, and they definitely don't push any further, but I, I think Deserbi has a fantastic feel for attacking soccer. There's just not enough on this defense, you know? Like, there's so much to be desired. Like, he started fucking Solly March, who has played at right wing for this team all last season, started at left back against Liverpool. Yeah. And. Why? I don't know. <laughs> and you start an 18-year-old Evan Ferguson over, yeah, Danny Welbeck's not great. I, I, I'm well aware of that. It's it's 2023. <laughs> I shouldn't be telling anybody that Danny Welbeck should be in the starting lineup. I would yeah. put him in over an 18-year-old in a must-win game Just, against Liverpool. 
Is that Ferguson, the Irish guy that's been doing really well? Yes, he has. I'll, I'll give him that. But there's other ways to integrate him into this team. Yeah, fair. I, I like, I love Yao Pedro. He's great. Ansu Fati hasn't seen the field a ton in Premier League play. Maybe that needs to change. But if they want to stay competitive at all, they have to make defensive moves in January. Yeah, big time. Because giving up a goal in just about every game you've played is not going to win. The last time they didn't give up a goal, um, July in a club friendly against Brentford. Yeah, summer. The leaves are changing outside, Grayson. <laughs> yeah, the last Premier League match they didn't give up a goal in uh, was their 3-0 routing over Arsenal on May 14th. So towards the end of last season. Yeah. Like probably one of the last games, actually. Yeah, it was like the like fourth, like four more games after that, three more games. Yeah. That's not good. No. So they've got to figure some things out on defense, but... Let's talk about Aston Villa because I think they're the perfect mixture at the moment. Though they're not the top four caliber right now, they give up less goals than Brighton and they almost score as many. Yeah, which is uh, dangerous for any team to have. Definitely. But they're they're they are coming off of a very poor game against Wolves. Yes, um, which Wolves is just playing minutes. people tough right now. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, um, I, I like I like Villa. I like watching them play this season. There's something exciting about watching this team play. I think definitely the moves that they've made um you know in this summer transfer window were fantastic. And just the team that they've been able to put together is great. Obviously the game against Wolves was not good. But no. Ollie Watkins and Diaby up front is awesome. I question a little bit the the team they, you know, the formation and, and setup that they put out against Wolves because I just, I don't like Matty Cash playing on right mid. I'd rather him play it right back instead of Kansa because I think Kansa plays a little bit better in the middle. But... If you can find, like, they found a way to put Pau Torres, Diego Carlos, and Consa in the same lineup, which is cool. That's <laughs> fucking tough. Man. Yeah. That's a tough defense to go up against. Yeah. And, like, you have Leon Bailey and Yori Tielemans coming off the bench, and some guys like Clement Langley, who has not seen the field just about at all this season, isn't playing. Like, there's some good players on this team and they have depth and that's the biggest thing if they do face injury troubles they have the depth to make up for it unlike other teams yeah no that's a good point and you know we've we've raved about their depth for a while but their their bench is just ridiculous they they have a very um established they have a lot of established players on their bench is what i'm trying to say like callum chambers you know he was a starting right back at Arsenal for a little bit. Maybe not the best player, but still. That's that's a guy you have on your team at your disposal. Um Yeah, they they, they just have a very good all-around good team. 
I like new. Uh, I like Aston Villa a lot. But almost at Newcastle. The top four is just fucking weird. How it is organized at the moment is puzzling to say the least. So Newcastle yeah. is number four with seventeen points alone. Their goal differential nine. 18-4, against. Not bad at all. No. No, not at all. But they've hit, you know, kind of like... Um, a lot of teams, honestly. Have yeah, kind of like... Of a, a dry spell. Yeah, and Liverpool, it's it's affecting them well. Yeah. Really. It is. Um, and also, when they yeah, come that, back from this international break, they go into the Merseyside Derby, which I can only assume will be a 3-0 victory. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, I just I cannot believe Liverpool lost to Tottenham and tied to Brighton. I mean, that's really, really bad. I mean, maybe not the loss yeah. to Tottenham because they are sitting top of the league undefeated right now, but... Just with with how Brighton's been playing, um, aside from their Premier League games, I would have completely expected Liverpool to win that game. Yeah, I, I would have as well. And I think, funny enough, we gave Liverpool so much shit for not signing a defensive midfielder in time when they ended up getting Gravenberch and, and Matoma, or not Matoma, Endo. Um, but, of course, the game they play against Brighton, they don't start a defensive midfielder. And guess what? <laughs> they drew. You tie. Just say it. Like, this This was a very much all-out attacking offense, which makes no sense because that's what's happening on the other side. That's all that Brighton runs. Why, why do that? You're fighting fire with fire. Yeah. It makes no sense. You can't do that. <laughs> And, you know, on top of that, well, actually, I mean, they, they brought in Ryan Gravenberg um, for Harvey Elliott, like, pretty much at the half. Yeah, which makes but, more sense. But, you know, sense. by that time, it was too late. I mean, he needs to start yeah. the game. Um, but And, like, I don't know. Salah going oh, fucking brace in five minutes is crazy. But <laughs> just it doesn't make sense to me. Some of the decisions they've made, especially in how they've set up the midfield, they haven't shied away from the four three three. I don't think once this season. Uh, yeah, I know, and it they've doesn't religious- make a lot of sense. I feel like McAllister and Sabasly playing as the wide midfielders makes way more sense than McAllister sitting in the middle and benching fucking Gravenberg. Yeah. But then again, yeah. you know, I mean, I, you just have to trust Jurgen Klopp, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I mean, do you? Like I feel like we've kind of seen past. a decline. We we've seen a decline in really just Liverpool as a club in general. Like I feel yeah. like the Liverpool era is is kind of um it's dwindling. Agreed. For sure, but yeah, I, I don't know in what world. Like, don't get me wrong. Harvey Elliott is one of the more exciting young players in the Premier League, yeah, but I don't definitely. see a world where he gets started over by Gravenberg. Yeah. 
Yeah, Especially when your other two midfielders are Alexis McAllister and Dominic Slobosly. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I think with putting Harvey in the squad, it keeps it still pretty attacking heavy. Yeah. With those two in mind, like Harvey definitely plays way more just straight up central midfield. Whereas Sabuslai and, and McAllister play much more of like the attacking midfield position. But I just I don't get it, honestly. But let's uh let's move on now to uh our next team, which is Manchester City, coming off of two straight losses. I I love this, man. Like, I, I think happened? it is so fun. What happened? A 2-1 loss I, to I, Wolves and a 1-0 loss to Arsenal that honestly was embarrassing. Yeah, that Arsenal goal was a little bit ticky-tacky, though, but, I mean, fuck it. They didn't score. I, I, that's the main thing is Manchester City didn't score. <laughs> yeah, and the whole team, um, for the most part, played like shit. Yeah. No, they did. I, I I really I don't I don't have much much to say about City right now. I, yeah. I just Holland is a very like he's just been such a wild card in my opinion this season. Like I I don't know where it's going wrong for him because I feel like he's having very good games. Dude, he took um, zero shots against Arsenal. I in what world? Yeah, <laughs> in what world. I I also. I don't I'm not sure if I like Alvarez on the right. I think Alvarez works much better as like a false nine behind Holland. Yeah, and you know, to go off of Holland having no shots, the entire team had four. Yeah. It's honestly a miracle that Arsenal didn't score maybe one more goal against them. Yeah, I will say this is a big testament to the defense of Arsenal. Arsenal's defense has looked great all season. I think... um, Ben White at right back has been great for them. He definitely helps yep. out. But Declan Rice's defensive like addition is huge. Yeah. Because for them, especially comparing how Liverpool runs a 4-3-3 compared to how Arsenal runs one, and even for Manchester City, the same. Arsenal has, at least in this lineup, had Declan Rice, Jorginho, Odegaard from left to right. I think that works because Declan Rice kind of slides back into that defensive line with Gabriel and Zinchenko beside him and just fills in, essentially, which allows Jorginho to stay central and see the passing lanes outside. Leandro Trossard's going to play further back than most left wings, at least, or he's going to stay more central. He's not going to play, he's not like a wide playmaker. And then Enketia is obviously just up there to get the pass and break free. Gabriel Jesus on the right, I'm fine with that. I don't have a problem with that. Um, like I Martinelli have a major was... problem. Why? Gabriel Jesus is ineffective anywhere else but striker, in my opinion. And he, not only that, he's proven, even with coming back from injury, when Arsenal play him at striker, he probably scores a goal. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he should just he should play right wing. I'm saying that he plays yeah. it decent. He plays it well enough that in a situation where you don't want to play Havertz at striker, you don't want to play Trossard at striker, and Martinelli is still aiding that injury, which he did come back. He came in this game, scored the winning goal. But 
if you're not going to put Martinelli in the squad and you still want somebody on the right, who's it going to be? I mean, that's fair. With Saka being hurt, I, I yeah. completely get it. Just um, I, may, maybe even swapping... Um, how did you pronounce his name? I've always said Nikita. I think it's Nketia. Nketia? Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Nketia, I would just swap him and Jesus. Yeah, I, I just I don't think Nketia is as effective on the right as Jesus would be. But I think it probably balances out where, like, Jesus is way more effective as striker. Um, I think, honestly, your best option would be um, Smith-Rowe on the right. Yeah, or Smith-Rowe. Um, he just has not been all but, that good yeah. at, at the moment. No, not, not yet, not yet. But um, I really liked what you said about this midfield, and I wanted to add something more to Arsenal's midfield. It's just, like, the fact that... Um, I feel like they're the center mids that they run now, Grayson, like they perfectly offset each other. Yes. To start, you have Jorginho, who's kind of your slow, but like I feel like he positions himself decently because Jorginho is one of those players that it's not just what he can do on the ball. It's also how he positions himself to where if he receives the ball, he has passing lanes. Yep. And I really enjoy that part of his game. Declan Rice is kind of your bruiser. Um, and then Martin Odegaard is your, you know, your attacker, your, 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 um, your knife through butter, I guess yeah. is the, is Martin Odegaard. And they, I mean, it's perfect. If you're going to have three midfielders, you might as well have them all be good at different things to offset each other. And I think that's exactly what Arsenal have done. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, funny enough, this comparison works very well. Uh, Declan Rice plays CDM exactly like how Pep Guardiola loves his CDMs to play. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it is picture perfect to what Rodri yeah. does, to what John Stones does when he plays CDM. Like It is exactly how he wants it played, and that's probably why they had some interest in him. 100%. But back to talking about Manchester City, because we weren't even supposed to be talking about Arsenal. <laughs> Honestly, like with how long we've spent on the Premier League, yeah. I feel like we could just wrap Arsenal and Man City into one since That's they true. just played each other. Yeah, well, then we will. Manchester City, look, Holland, of course, is the leading goal scorer in the league, but he hasn't shown is he up. Really? Yes, he is. He has eight goals. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it, though. I know because for some reason he's just had like a couple of performances that just kind of outweigh everything, but. For Manchester yeah. City, they're clearly missing Kevin De Bruyne. I think that's the obvious yeah. part. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Rico Lewis is ready to just be starting a majority and like playing a majority of the game yet. He he's done he's fine, but um you're you're right. I think he needs more time. Yeah. And then yeah, I, I think like I already said about Alvarez, like he needs to be playing central. He should not be out on the wing. I think it limits his abilities. Yeah. Yep, for sure. But otherwise, like, yeah, there's not issues with this team. They just, they're clearly missing a couple things in this team. Yeah, I kind of miss their three-back formation that they would run. I think that's yeah. kind of hurting them. I, I think so, too. I, I feel like, like that back four doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Ake and Vardy all do the same thing. 
Like they they literally play the exact same position. Yeah. And you know, going back to this Arsenal game with Manchester City as well, would you have if you were going to decide between Julian Alvarez on the right or um Doku on the right? I'm picking Doku. Yep. All day long. Me too. Over Alvarez on the right. And, you know, they they subbed him in in the 68th minute, and Doku, you know, granted didn't have a good game, but that's probably because, you know, he's been starting, and then you put him in, you know, you I feel like you just kind of fucked up his mojo there. Yeah. But um, I don't know. That's just my two cents. But it's crazy that we're even talking about Manchester City losing two games in a row. Yeah. Honestly, if it's me, the way this team lines up, even in this game, sure, you can keep that back for how it is, whatever, I would probably switch out Ake for Akanji and then put Ake at left back, bench Vardy all. But the midfield should have 100% been Alvarez playing in an attacking midfield position in the center with Kovacic staying on the left and Bernardo Silva on the right, playing central, just playing that playmaking, dribbling midfielder. Holland still a striker, of course. Foden on the left, um, and Doku on the right. Because yeah. Grealish has been abysmal. Yeah, and Doku has not been abysmal. No, not at all. <laughs> but let's talk about Tottenham, our our league leaders at the moment, only on goal differential. Which actually, it's only on head to head because um, the goal differential is ten ten between Tottenham and Arsenal. But Tottenham has the lead in the table at the moment. And actually, it's not head-to-head. It's just goals four. I just realized that because they drew in their only head-to-head match. That's what I'm um, yeah. The, both of these teams have been very good. They, like, they, they literally have both won six, drawn two, lost none. Yeah. But Tottenham just looks weird. I don't think they're going to win the league, but it's weird. Yeah, that that's um that's fair. They're super consistent right now and you know you and I have um well I'll just come flat out and say it. We have drug Kyungmin's son through the dirt on this podcast yep. recently. Ever since they moved him to striker, things have been really really going well for Tottenham yeah. and not well for Richarlison. <laughs> no. They tried him at um, left with, wing against uh, Luton, and he played like shit and got subbed out after the half. Yeah, but I mean, even Youngman's son not scoring against Luton, he is still putting up much better match ratings than he ever has yeah. uh, recently. And you know what? It, it's I, I like seeing it. Youngman's son, although Tottenham, man, I fucking hate these guys so much, but Youngman's son is a respectable player, and um, I like that they have been able to give him another role in this team. Um, yeah. And I mean, even to make this more impressive that they're first place and undefeated, Harry, they sold Harry Kane in the summer. Yep. It, I mean, they, Tottenham are just, I, I hate to say it, but very impressive right now. Their goalie looks amazing. Uh, I, I feel like Hugo Lloris probably doesn't have a starting spot here anymore. No. There's no reason to change it. Um, Pedro Poro at right back is fantastic. And that center back pairing, man, who would have thought Christian Romero and um, Mickey Van Vandeven? Yeah. I So I liked the signing of Vandeven when it initially happened. We talked about it. When he came over from Wolfsburg, I really liked the signing. And he's had a couple of tough games, but he's been 
very good. And scoring the goal in this game against Lutontown, he, he, he really shows off his speed as a center back. Yes, for sure. Um, I love Pape Sar. He's great. 21 years yeah. old. Senegalese kind of defensive midfielder, but beautiful passing. Amazing. He's kind of that deep-seated playmaker that a lot of teams in the Prem don't really utilize. Not a lot of them like to do that. A lot of them like midfielders that dribble forward or only sit back. And I think yes. Pape Sar does a great job of kind of mixing in both, but understanding that his job is to pass the ball. Like in this game against Lutontown, he goes 50 for 55 on passes. Ooh, that's insane. That's amazing. And he created three chances. Yeah. So, yeah. and of course, James Madison is just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, I mean, he's one of the best players in the Premier League so far. Yeah. Um, what a awesome guy to watch. But, yeah. All right. Well, that's sure. the table. Um, your stat leaders at the moment. Uh, goals, you have Erling Holland in first with eight, and then tied for second, Alexander Izak and Huang Minson at six. Um, that's your top three there. And then top three in assists, you have number one, or tied for number one is actually three uh, people. <laughs> that's the top three. Uh, Pedro Neto yeah. uh, of Wolves, James Madison of Spurs, and Kieran Trippier of Newcastle at five assists apiece. And then clean sheets, number one, Sam Johnstone with four of Crystal Palace and like six different people at three. And Kieran Trippier, shout out. Right he back up there with the... so good. Yeah. Yeah, I've been wow. extremely happy with him. He's playing well in my uh, manager career on EAFC as well. Nice. <laughs> How are you liking EFC? EA... I love it. What is, what is it? It's EAFC. EAFC. Okay, so you're it's a good game. It is amazing. Okay. There's certainly problems wow. cuz it's a FIFA game. You know, it's an EA Sports soccer game. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. I've been playing a okay. lot of it. I've still been debating on that one in Madden. I don't know if I'm going to get I'm not buying Madden. Yet. Not again. I'm a Madden whore, man. I always I'm like every year I'm like this shit's glitchy. They don't even play test it. I'm the first motherfucker in line usually. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah. Oh man! All right, let's go. Questions time. Got. I, I love how. Good. So before before we were gonna record this episode, I told Luke I was like, you know, there's not really that much to talk about. Um. Well, now we're two hours and forty minutes into this, and um, we talked about plenty. Uh. So we'll we'll hit a quick questions time. Uh, I'll get it started. Uh. In the light of everyone starting to take Brock Purdy seriously, who is another player you think people need to really start giving their flowers? Jared Goff. Yes. Love it. <laughs> yep. That uh, was the guy I had in mind as well. Trying to think if there's another one that I can think of. Maybe maybe Kirk Cousins, but Kirk still has just – if Kirk Cousins plays bad, not only do the Vikings lose, but Kirk Cousins played bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just uh, – yeah, I, Jared Goff. All right. Jared cool. Goff. Um. So you went with NFL. Should we mix it up? Yeah. Or should sure. we just go? Uh, how scared are you of the Diamondbacks? Um, well, it doesn't matter if we don't get there. Yeah, but well, I guess it's uh, 
I'll, let me rephrase the question. How how far can the Diamondbacks go at this point? I I don't think they could beat the Phillies if the Phillies make it. Really? I think the pitching is too good. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. They just look... The, the Diamondbacks look unbeatable. No, they look great. But, like, there is... Like, if you get ahead on their starting pitching, you might have a chance. Yeah, that's a good point. Um. Oh, this one. This one's a fun one. If it, okay, so during since there's an international break this week, is there an international team that when you see that they're playing, you kind of just always feel like you have to watch? Brazil. Okay. Yeah, mine's France. Ever since, um, like 2016, that Euro, I've always wanted to watch the French team because there's just so many guys. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah, like no, oh fun. that guy plays at this huge club that's one of the best in the world and so does that guy and oh that guy too oh the guy that just came off the bench he also plays at one of the best clubs in the world <laughs> yeah and he's a starter who was like the top goal scorer yeah. in that season and he's not fucking starting yeah. for who's France. that guy no. sitting on the end of the bench oh one of the best up and coming players in the world what the fuck <laughs> they're cool. everywhere in France um. But yeah, for me, it's just Brazil. Not only because of like the historical element, but also like the they are just so fun to watch on the yeah. ball. All every position on Brazil, they they are all capable of rainbow flicking over your striker's head or whoever's head. Yeah. Um. Um. Another one would probably be Italy. I've always rooted for the Italians as well. Gotcha. Like the passion, the passion and the defense that they've always played with. Um, all right, I'm going to go with a NFL question. So the Pittsburgh Steelers obviously have a serious defense, but a non-existent offense. What is the ceiling for this Steelers team going into the bye week first in the AFC North? Uh, let me, let me look at a schedule real quick. I think... I think you guys' ceiling is ten and seven. Oh, so better than last year. Yeah, I think you lose to the Rams off the bye. Probably beat Jacksonville and Tennessee and Green Bay. You lose to Cleveland this time around. You'll split with the Bengals. Who beat the Cardinals? Who beat the Patriots? Probably beat the Colts. I don't know. I'm not really keeping track of this. Um, lose to Seattle, and probably beat Baltimore, or vice versa. You think we'll we'll sweep Baltimore potentially? Yeah, yeah I think when it comes down to that that matchup, it's like. Who has the better defense? Because the offense is not going to be a factor. <laughs> yeah, it never has been. Yeah. Um, oh man, so yeah, whatever whatever that my... adds up to is what I think your ceiling is. Okay, yeah, yeah, but you said ten and seven, so yeah. we'll say like roughly an above five hundred playoff yeah. team. Making I think so. First round eggs. <laughs> yes, precisely. Um, <clears throat> yeah. All right. Uh, who's winning the World Series? 
simple. Hmm. I th- oh man, it's tough. It's it's one of those, it's one of those American League teams for me because maybe it's just like the Phillies are an enigma for the Braves, but I I don't know. Like, have the Braves been exposed in this series? I don't like, know. About can exposed. we say? I don't know. I I, I think it's the Rangers. I, I think it's the Rangers' time. Yeah, I agree. What do you? Oh, you agree? Yeah. Okay. The, the yeah, I mean, bats, they, they're dude. just a perfect combination. Especially of, of bats and if if that Rangers team matches up with the Diamondbacks, the Rangers are going to wipe the fucking floor with them. Oh man, yeah, I agree. I agree with that for sure. But we'll see. See what happens. We will see. All right. Um, did you ask me a premier? You, oh yeah, you did yeah. ask me a soccer question. Yep. National team. Um, all right, so I'm really excited about this question because I saw it today uh, on my feed, and this is some this is something that we can discuss. I feel like would it be different for Manchester United today if Ten Hag never benched Ronaldo? Probably worse. What? I don't think so. Yeah. But anyway. I asked you the question, so go ahead. Okay, well, for, I'll preface this. I'm a Ronaldo hater. I have been nah. since he left Real Madrid. Um, but, yeah, uh, look, it's he wasn't, like, it's not like he was on phenomenal form. Or, it, like, he had a, he was coming off, okay, so going into uh, a World Cup that he played, like, shit in. Obviously, it wasn't working out in the locker room. So what what makes anybody think it would have been better if he was in the lineup? I think the thing with me was like he he definitely saved them multiple times and granted mainly in the Champions League but I mean his ability with Manchester United to score last second goals and get them draws or get them wins I just don't see a world where Ronaldo is 10th in any league. I think my issue is that who's to say he wouldn't have left in the summer? Whether he got benched or not, yeah, I, I, that's fair. Because like they they still finished top four without him in the second half. So let's say they still finished top four with him. Why wouldn't he still leave? It's a good point, but they could definitely use him now. Yeah, I think they could. It may be like, and, and I mean, even in saying that, like. Rasmus Hoylund is fine. Okay. Rashford is fine. Like their their attack, I feel like is okay. But Ronaldo, I, I can't explain it. It's almost like it's a stat that's not a number. He just is a winner, which is something that Manchester United is not doing right now. Correct. That, that is my point that I'm trying to make. Um, yes, he was a locker room cancer. He did not have a good World Cup, but he just any any team that he goes on. He he makes them just they compete with anybody. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Manchester United's not doing a lot of that. Like, in what world would Ronaldo lose to Galatasaray? That Manchester United team with Ronaldo. I wonder if he ever. Has. I don't think. That, I would love to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is true. Um. Actually, you know, he has lost to Galatasaray in the Champions League. The, yeah. Actually. 
we're done recording, look up that game. That's like one of the best games ever. Uh, Real Madrid versus Galatasaray when Ronaldo was there. But anyway, um, I don't know. I, I think Manchester United would be better off if they still had him. Yeah, actually, he's uh, in total 3-2 and two against Galatasaray. Wow. Or no. Three and one. I think. You think? Two and one? <laughs> I, I don't know. This website is very confusing to me. Oh, he was out in one of the games. So, yeah, he's two and one. Two and one. Yeah. And it was all in 2013. He played them three times? Yeah. So they they played each other in the quarterfinals in the 2012-2013 season, and then they got put wow. in the same group as them in 2013-2014. Yeah, I think that Galatasaray team had uh, Wesley Snyder and Didier Drogba um, in that team. Probably. But... um. Yeah, I guess that does it for us, man. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but before you, you try and get on out of here, stop. Stop what you're doing. Look right below my fingers here, right below Luke's caressing hands, and uh, look those up on their respective social media accounts and follow us on all of those. And once you're done doing that and um, you continue to listen to this episode, if you're on YouTube and I'm looking deep into your beautiful deep blue brown green maybe I, I don't really know i'm colorblind whatever color your eyes are they're beautiful and um you're gonna look away from me right now and you're gonna scroll down and you're gonna click subscribe you're gonna click like and then you're gonna scroll even further you're gonna comment and then you're gonna scroll right back up and you're gonna look deep into luke's eyes now that are looking away from his camera <laughs> you're gonna look at his glassesless eyes and um you're going to go over to the podcast platform that you're probably listening to now, and you love this description I'm giving you of what's going on. And you're going to follow us on the podcast platform. You're going to rate us five stars on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts and Spotify, all five of them, all five. And you're going to follow us on all the socials using the link tree, and you're going to join that fucking Reddit. If it's the last thing I Wherever say, the Reddit is. it's on Reddit. Look up r slash 2 indie. A-N-D short. It's right under Luke's name on YouTube. All right, guys. That's going to do it for me. Luke, anything else for the people? Um, I just hope my elbow feels better. It, it hurts, man. <laughs> Going back to the elbow. Yeah. You need some arm candy, man. I wonder if I could get Jacob deGrom's surgeon. <laughs> I, I'm sure they're best buddies. I'm going to go ahead and say... So, you don't have the money for that because I don't, <laughs> and I don't think anybody around here does. Um, oh, if you're listening and you do have the money and you'd like to give it to Luke to get Tommy John surgery, uh, hit us up. Also, email us with the same email we talked about earlier um, in case it's also the Saudis that want to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Saudis want to fly us out to uh, Madrid. And they also want to pay for your Tommy John surgery. Wow. What what nice guys, huh? I know. I love you, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's whoa, it. whoa. Turn it off. All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. Peace. <laughs>